Hello and welcome to the Tech Gaming Podcast, World 14-6. I am your host, Sean Nola, filling in for Robert Desert Eagle Allen this oh week. Oh my god. I know. Last from the past. Uh, <laughs> with Somebody me, spanked me, I thought he was dead. I will, later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with me, as you heard, are uh, Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Yes, hello. Sage Samarage Morris Green. Hello. And the indomitable Blue Swim, whose last name I still don't know. <laughs> Mystery. It's like the G-spot. Nobody quite it's... knows what it is or where it is. I, I kind of know where it's both of them are. swim, right? That's it's what swim. I always thought, yeah. <laughs> Official story, it's swim. E, e put it in. <laughs> e put it in. There we go. So, as you can tell, this podcast has not changed in the two years since I've been gone. <laughs> uh, has it been that long? It's been, it's been a while. Uh Yeah. I, I want I wanted to jump in. Sean, this, oh, I, you I should to jump tell in our listeners because, uh, what you've been doing. I've been uh, doing well as far as like gaming stuff goes. I, I've been playing a lot of older stuff. That's kind of why I've been out of the gaming community. Uh, I, I got this wild hair up my ass where I, I got really upset that I was playing games for two weeks until the next big game came out and then never finishing anything. So I just stopped doing that. That's kind of the that's kind of the best thing to do is just to break that cycle. Once once you get like hooked on new releases, you start to become obsessed with them, and it doesn't really feel like it's that much fun anymore. That is true. Yeah, but it but it it makes it tough to be on a podcast when you're like, oh yeah, I I played Wild Arms two last week. And hey, but listen, I'm just gonna have like a little moment of sincerity here and call bullshit on that because just because you're playing old games doesn't mean you have to be out of the community. So. Just gonna throw that out there. I, I mean, there's a whole they, retro community as well. I mean, not, yeah, but the, yeah, you can go sit at their table. That Blue and I talk about a lot of old games. It's okay. I'm gonna talk <laughs> about two two newish games. Like, actually, one brand new game this week. So, oh my God, which one? Wow. Uh, do we want to just jump right into it? Let's do it. Might as well. No. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh. This is the new releases. What you been playing, Bumper? I have been playing. Do we have bumpers now. Well, we just we just had one. That was what that sound was. Oh, I see. Sean's the host. Damn it. Yeah, we we have bumpers. If he said we have bumpers, this is. Can we get a soundboard? Ask for a bumper. Bumper. (laughs) See. Uh, no, I've been playing. I've been playing Damascus Gear on the Vita, which just came out two days ago. So that is as new as it gets, pretty much. Uh, And that game is weird. It's. it was one of those things that I made a big stink about uh, when Fantasy Life came out, that they were putting that out instead of Damascus Gear, because it's Diablo with robots, and who wouldn't want to play that? Uh, and it is Diablo <laughs> with robots. Uh, apparently it started its life as a well, as an iOS game. It doesn't really feel that way, though. I, I can't imagine playing that on a touchscreen. It's very uh, controller-intensive. Very uh, fast-paced in the sense that the missions are only about five minutes long each, so it's really good pick-up-and-play game. But at the same time, I, I, I haven't really felt the need to sit down and spend an hour on it at a time uh but it, it's great bus station game it sounds it seems like you could probably take any given ios game and probably map it pretty well to a controller i mean the reverse is not always true but it feels like we should be getting more ports from ios right right mm-hmm. yeah well i mean yeah. you'd be surprised how many vita games are ios ports now um they're actually yeah. they just released in japan um the entire chaos rings collection which I don't know if you've played those on Android and iOS, but uh, one of those games is actually very good. Uh, actually, they have one, <laughs> I believe, on PlayStation Mobile, which I just have to say, big heartbreak time. I had always expected that PlayStation Mobile would eventually become a thing where you could just take all of those 
all of those gamey sorts of, you know, especially games based on real games, quote unquote, and just shovel them over into the, you know, the the Android uh, format store for for Vita and PlayStation phones, and have them there and just install them and play them. But they never did that, and now they're shutting it down. The the, the biggest heartbreak I had was uh, when when I reviewed that uh, Xperia Play, the PlayStation phone. Yeah. And you could play Wild Arms on it, but if you already owned Wild Arms in the PlayStation Store, you had to buy it all over again, and it was like ten bucks. And I was like, "What's the what's the that point?" That sounds like a Nintendo thing? thing. That's the lamest thing. Well, well, Sony's always been like that about not letting all of their departments cooperate. It's why that wasn't called the PlayStation Phone, and why it wasn't the PlayStation Store. It was the Xperia Store and stuff like that. But like, I have an Xperia Phone now, and it's a little bit better integrated than it was. Like. I, when I signed into my phone, I si- signed into Google and uh, my PlayStation account. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do remote play on it. So if I had a PS4 hooked up with... Uh, I-, I could just use my DualShock 4 instead of having to use a Vita and losing your uh, bumpers and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. But it's still... you know, I wanna, If I want to play a PlayStation game on my phone, that's too bad. I'm either streaming it or nothing. So then, Damascus Gear, is it like a... You said, is, is it one of those things where if you do the level really well, you get three coins, and if you only do it kind of good, you get two coins? No, so there's, coin. there is a currency because you sell stuff, uh, but it's it's basically all just armor loot. So you, you go and you kill robots, and they drop stuff, and at the end of the end of the mission, you go into the dock and say, all right, well, this arm has slightly better armor than this arm, uh, so I'm going to equip this and sell my other one, but there is a store where you can buy stuff with the money you get from uh, selling your loot, but so far there hasn't been anything in that store that's better than what I'm picking up on the field. So Sounds about right. Yeah, the only microtransaction-y stuff, there's, there's two DLC packs that you can buy that have extra missions and armor and stuff. Uh, and I think those are like five bucks a piece. Uh, I don't know that I'll get to the point where I need to buy those, but they're there. That's respectable. It's give it to yeah, and people it, who want it. Yeah, and it keeps the it ke- keeps the other microtransactions out of it, so there's that. It's Can like you sacrificial... trade with other people? No, there's there's no multiplayer anything in there. There's no real Oh, example. really at all? Yeah, it's it's all single player. Is it multiple That's characters? Do you have a couple people that you can play as or is it just like you're one character and you just go chopping up dudes? Yeah, you are you and you <laughs> are constantly changing your robot, so your robot's constantly changing, but uh, the other thing I will say about that, though, before I forget, the translation is awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? It's, it's is like it so bad it's good. It, no, it's like Genesis era awful, and not so much that oh, like wow. there's a lot of English in it, so that it's funny. <laughs> it's just things like they didn't translate the trophies at all, so that oh. they're all still in Japanese. <laughs> and the the kerning on the um, text they use is all. Uh, the same size, whether it's a space or two letters next to each other. So a block of text will just be one big block of text. And you yeah, it kind of looks like that in the screenshots I'm seeing on the PlayStation yeah, Store. Yeah, it, it's it, it's hard to read, you know. So you guys know I love my Vita, but is this a situation where Sony's like, yes, yes, just come on, just get it over here, we'll we'll put it on. Like, uh, it, it seems like Arc System Works is that way. I think I think. Over in Japan, Arc System Works has been making these phone games. So I guess Fantasy Life was a phone game too, and they've been very that. successful. And to get people in Japan to buy a Vita, um, they're having them port them over or asking them to port them over. And you know, once once they've got the work done, Arc System Works does all their own um, translating, from what I can tell. Uh, so I guess they're just now starting to funnel all that stuff over here. Well, okay. So how how much is it? Do you remember how much the 
$15, which I think is a little steep. Like, the, I, I wouldn't have probably bought it, except for the fact that I made such a big stink about it when Fantasy Lunch <laughs> <Lynch> came out. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I... What's the, I, what's the playability? Kind of... How many how many hours do you feel like you get out of it? Uh, you, If you were just to sit there and play through it, I think you would probably get maybe 10 hours. I mean, it's it's a good size. Uh, but since I like I, I really do, I just kind of mm-hmm. when I've got five minutes, pick it up, play through a mission, and then jump out. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of unlimited. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my bigger question is actually mm-hmm. like, how are the hooks? I, I've found in in some loot games, like sometimes I'm really in, like uh, uh, so to speak. Um, but you know, like like it really it hooks me, and and I'm I'm in the cycle. You know, it's like get better loot to kill bigger dudes to get better loot to kill bigger dudes but sometimes it just kind of doesn't you know uh, I will, so I'm only on the second class so you have different classes you like basically blocks of mission and I will say that what they did is there's a boss in the first class that's really really hard um, and then you go to, into a mission in the second class and since you've been picking up all this loot you fight ten of them and it's not a problem so they're really good at making the loot substantial really quickly so you feel more powerful mm-hmm. um, and you look very different uh, as, as you go along which is kind of nice that's good it's a good but one I will game say, lets you see your loot yeah but it doesn't have like that monster hunter <laughs> you hook think? of you, you see somebody with like Tigrex armor and you're like I want to get that and I'm going to like work really hard to get that it's basically just in between missions you go alright so how can I min max this character with the junk that I found all right, he looks stupid because he has like big blocky legs and a tiny little head, but you know, this is this will make him fast and have a lot of armor or something. Hmm. I've always felt that part of like what uh, the robots kind of look like they're a mix of uh, armored core and maybe virtual lawn. Yeah, they look they looked very armored core to me. And you can you can like change the color of all the parts so that you have like one matching robot. You're not doing the whole purple legs and bright green top thing, but uh, yeah, they, they do look very armored core. Yeah. Sage, I'm sorry too... I interrupted you. No, no, it's okay. It's too bad that there's no multiplayer, because it seems like I don't know, I always thought one of the most fun elements of loot games in general was being able to trade with other people. Not not like Auction House so much, but actually direct trading, like, oh, you got that thing, I want that thing, I'll trade you this thing. And I actually think it's one of the crummier parts of Diablo 3 is that they took that out, because I... I think it keeps it interesting and adds an element to... Because some loot games, I just get really bored. If the loot's not super fantastic, mm-hmm. I think that it helps to have that trading element where you can actually communicate with other people about your gear. I don't yeah. think they're doing that in a lot of loot games anymore. I mean, they don't have it at all in Destiny and, and in... Uh, I mean, just all the, all the games lately where you are collecting widgets off of monsters it seems like it's pretty much right. you get to get your own and everyone else has to get their own well i think the thing about i destiny, know but i think that's a mistake i think the thing about destinies in particular is that you're online no matter what when you play that game and you can pay for stuff right with real money and and the reason that you would let people drop stuff before is it was it was incentive to go play online right like oh i could play this game single player but if i go online then there's gonna be people who have who are a little better than me that might have other stuff and they'll help me along and they'll they'll give me stuff uh now mm-hmm. you don't really need that incentive because they just force you to be online all the time uh mm-hmm. and in fact if they let people give you stuff then you have no incentive to buy things 
Yeah, but see, that's lame. So it is I, have, lame, I don't, but... I don't, I don't care that that's their <laughs> thinking. That's lame. <laughs> uh, you should play Fantasy Star Online. People will still give you shit in Fantasy Star Online. Well, people give you shit everywhere, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> Uh, other games I've been playing, I have been playing Wild Arms too. I joked about that earlier, but I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, it is on my list of things to beat this year. Um, so, what's your relationship with that game? Are you playing it like every couple of years, or is it? <laughs> I I always say how much I love the Wild Arms th- series, but the only yeah, one that's I've, what I was about to mention. I've, the one we've actually seen that. the end of is five, uh, and I think three is my favorite, and I haven't uh, finished three. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So, and you kind of get the oogie feeling, and you're like, I hope nobody ever finds out. That yeah, that, that, that was, that was sort of, well, that's how this whole list kind of started, too, is these games. Either I didn't remember the end, or I just never got to the end, and I just wanted mm-hmm. to see it. Um, so so I, I picked Wild Arms 2 just because I can play it on the Vita, and I don't have to drag my PS2 out. Uh, it's, it's probably my least favorite, other than Crossfire, which I pretend doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, but it, it's still really good, and it, it's got one of the best tutorials I think of any game uh, in a long time because it, it's not really a tutorial so much as this is the introduction to the story, and you have to figure this out, like how these tools work. Otherwise, you're not going to get past the intro. Mm. Okay. It works really no, no, it works really well. Uh, it, it it helps now because you're sort of used to 3D environments, and at the time you weren't. Uh, so there's a whole mission about exploring this 3D environment, and you get all turned around, and you have to remember where the north arrow is and stuff like that. But now that's so second nature that it's it's pretty easy. But since it's not hammering you to death, like use the left and right triggers to rotate the camera and press up and up to move up and blah blah blah, uh, it it feels really natural. Mega Man, Mega Man, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's good. And if anybody has the the strategy guide to that, I'm looking for it because I like. I do the not. Internet has it. I know, but I don't like playing with facts. I like a lot. this is another thing I discovered last year is if I have a strategy guide, I like playing with that just because it makes me feel like a little kid. I did that with Final Fantasy VIII, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I love this. I forgot how much I love doing this. I just did that with the uh, Tomb Raider Legend and uh, Tomb Raider Underworld. It's just there's just something about having a strategy guide in your lap as you're playing that just. It, it just brings out all these wonderful nostalgic memories of sitting in front of the TV with like the Nintendo 64 and the Nintendo Power Guides and stuff like that. Well, and so, I think I think the difference between those and facts is uh, so like the Final Fantasy VIII one for for example, right? The reason I never beat Final Fantasy VIII when I was growing up was because the last boss this is like not a super spoiler, but it's one of those bosses where you use every every character in the game, uh, mm-hmm. and she can kill them, right? Mm-hmm. And when she, it's a three-person party, so she, when she kills one, this little cherub comes down and vaporizes them, and then it brings in the next person. Jeez! In <laughs> the strategy guide, when you get to the last boss, just says, all right, enjoy, the last boss is tough, but we're not going to spoil it for you, enjoy the end of the game. Uh, oh, that's a, like, that's it really ridiculous. doesn't hold your hands at all, right? And so mm-hmm. the, the rumor around high school was that uh, there are two endings, a, a bad ending, uh, and a good ending, and the only way to get a good ending was to to beat the last boss without losing anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And you can play through that game without ever using one or two of the characters. Like, I think uh, Irvine was still, like, level 11 at the end of the game for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just stopped. I was like, I don't want a bad ending. I'll just stop here. So it wasn't until <laughs> this year was the... Or last year was the 15th anniversary of Final Fantasy VIII, I think. 
that I actually looked it up to see if that was true, <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> but I like I, I, the point of the story was I like that the old strategy guides didn't really hold your hand through everything. Mm-hmm. Just kind of said, "All right, here's a map, so you know where you're going, and it'll have stuff pointed out on it, and you know, here's a general idea of where you're supposed to go next." But it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't even like the strategy guide. Like, I loved the old instruction books that were pretty much like, hey, you're this little monkey. Go have fun and do these things. And they didn't and tell you. they had great artwork in them, too. <laughs> right. And they didn't tell you anything necessarily. And then, like, when I would meet up with my friends, it'd be like, oh, do you have this game? Oh, did you get to this part? Like, oh, yeah, I did. There was this little thing. I liked that aspect of having to talk to other people to figure out what was going on in the game, which I guess now you can get through, you know, like, internet community. But I liked the actual talking to another person instead of, like, I felt... Not quite like I was cheating, but like I I was giving myself a handicap that I didn't need when I would use the strategy books, so I never really got into them. Yeah, see, it's I think Blue is right on the money that like back then, back in the nineties, that was the only way you could get some of that artwork. It wasn't like now where you could just be like Final Fantasy Eight right. and see all these pictures. Right. Yeah. Were, well, that's true. Yeah. But uh, I also couldn't go into my office and say, "Hey, I'm stuck in this part of Fantasy Star Two. Is anybody anybody know this dungeon? <laughs> anybody?" Well, no, but you could go on the internet and be like, hello, other friends who ah, like this game. Internet. Hashtag Fantasy Star 2. Help! <laughs> I need help! Let's look that right. up on Twitter and see what happens. Uh, uh, but yeah, other than other than that, uh, sorry, I didn't mean... I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about Wild Arms 2, so I'm not going oh to. Oh my god, playing old games and getting in the community and... Oh! I'm the worst. <laughs> that guy. But the other <laughs> game I've been playing a lot of is Freedom Wars. That game is Tits. Really? Yes. Somebody say tits? That game is Ow. actually awful, and then it's good, and then it's awful again, and then it's good again, and then it's awful, and it's good. Uh, that game would be a lot better if there was no story to it, because the, the world they create is really cool, and then the story they tell in that world is complete garbage. It's just, well, I don't know, you know. How is that like tits? What uh, tits are you experiencing oh, sorry, it's, that it's awful and then good and then awful and then good? It's lopsided is what I meant. No. Oh. <laughs> it's like they're in your face and they're not in your face and they're in your face again and then they're not in your face again. <laughs> now that I, I can Come on, just make up your mind. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's really it's really fun. It's really uh, well done. It, it, it's, it really pushed itself as a Monster Hunter type game, which I guess it kind of is. Um, but you really can't play it that way. And if you approach it thinking, oh, cool, this is going to be the thing that, that gets me hyped for the next Monster Hunter, like, the content isn't there, the weapons aren't there, the variety is is just different, uh, but if you approach it as a, like, this is a third-person action game, and it's got these big over-the-top bosses, and this cool strategy to bring them down, uh, it becomes a lot more fun, and if you could skip the story, you'd be doing yourself a huge favor. I think it's pretty cheap at Walmart now. I think that most uh, stores are clearing it out for fifteen bucks. I got it for five, thanks to my good friend Jeremy Lamont. That's right. <laughs> you got it cheaper than I did. <laughs> How yeah, did that were, happen? Well, it's uh, just they that, just yeah. they just dropped the price, and then uh, GameStop was putting fifty percent off all new Vita games this one week, and then uh, Jeremy found a five dollar off coupon and sent it to me. <laughs> So it was only five dollars. <laughs> Not bad. That's pretty good. Not yeah. bad. So uh, I, I, you know, I, to me, the story isn't bad. I mean, it's not worse than your run-of-the-mill like Japanese. That story. That, that was. Uh-oh. I think that was my problem with those. They set up this cool world. So if you haven't played the game, basically the idea is you are in this huge prison, and the idea is that everybody except for like the most intelligent people who become engineers 
uh, are sent to this prison to work off the fact that they exist. You're, you're so, yeah, sort of yeah. like, and I, I guess you're sort of like born into this prison system, essentially, yeah. right? Like you live there, and that's that that's the the entire world. Uh, and there's this giant hierarchy of of society, and you and you only ever see the bottom of it. It's kind of like, uh, you know. What Sounds like that movie Snowpiercer. So I was just gonna say that I was just That's gonna what say I that it's just like Snowpiercer, which was a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, Fuck you, Jeremy. Dude, you have the worst taste. No, that movie man. is tits. No, dude. That movie is super tits. <laughs> that that movie is like anti tits. It's like you. You no are anti tits. Yeah. I, apo- I apologize for saying that. By the way, I, I was having a very '90s day today. I apologize for everybody that I offended into bringing that back into the vernacular. How did that become a thing anyway? That people said tits because uh, I as think it mean that it seems like something that was a Kevin Smithy thing. I was gonna say like Polly Shore. <laughs> Oh yeah, it actually could have been. Those, those are both possibilities, and I apologize for everything. Yeah. The origins of the word tits, oh. biodome. All I can hear is Blink One Eighty Two now in my ear. Uh, I'm so no, but Snowpiercer is the worst, really. But uh, so in no, it isn't. It's the oh best. man. All right, after show discussion of Snowpiercer. Um, Everybody go watch Snowpiercer and put in the comments whether or not oh. you like it, and wait, then wait, we'll wait. have a tit battle this? royale. As far as Chris like Evans movie Snow. goes. Snowpiercer is somewhere in between Captain America and the Nanny Diaries. <laughs> what? I think that's most movies, so yes, congratulations. But, they, but all three of those have Chris Evans in them, so there you go. It's, there you go. So the, the funny thing about it is, uh, in Freedom Wars, everything you do... So you start out with uh, not just a life sentence in, in your squalor, but uh, a million-year prison sentence. You're, you, you know, There's no chance of you ever getting out of this. And as you take missions, actually, I mean, this is Sean's segment. He should he should be describing this. Well, but, it's it's our segment because we've both been playing it. Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. It is on my list as well. Uh, so, uh, in fact, you start out in in this tiny little cell, and you're a, everybody. The, one cool thing about this dystopian society is everybody gets assigned their own personal android. So, um, you know, the, the commoditization. Really cool. That seems like right. a weird thing to do if. You're in prison for a million years. Well, the, well hey, you're your in prison. Shopper. Guess what? You're getting an android. Yeah, so it's not like a fun robot. It's like, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, dominant, you know, whip your ass kind of robot. Uh, not not in the fun way, but I'm I'm not hearing the downside. No, there. no. So well, the the downside is every once in a while he gets kidnapped because he's an idiot. And then all of your friends are idiots too. That's the other part of this game. Is that halfway through the game, it turns off everybody, all your AI's uh, intelligence, and everybody's dying all the time and not helping each other. Yeah. So the AI is a little weird. <laughs> but in in the game, so the thing is that they are sort of your overseer, right? So you start out in a tiny little cell, and in fact, everything you do in this world requires a permission of some kind, including the right to sit down on your cot. And every time you do something wrong, like a you know a sentence like pops up onto your thing, you, you know you're being penalized. They're adding 200 years onto your sentence for sitting down because you didn't have the permission to sit down. Uh, or wouldn't you be at the point where it's like, okay, there's no fucking way I'm gonna live to be a million years. Fuck it, I'm sitting on on the cot and I got my middle finger up. Yeah. Do something, exactly, so, motherfucker. So some, that, gets, that yeah. gets into my point, right? So they they, they do set this up, right? So you, you're in this weird dystopian society. Everybody's basically in jail. You're working off your sentence, and there's all these other characters that are also working off their sentences. And that's enough to create a bunch of cool small stories like that one. There could totally be the guys in there that are slumming it at the bottom cell because they don't care. They're just going to sit in their little cell and sit down even though they're not allowed to. 
And then you have the people who I need to work my way up to the top because I've got a little girl who needs to go to college, and the only way to get her to go to college is to work off both our sentences or something like that. Exactly. Well, and, and they do, and they do have characters like that. I mean, you know, it's not. I wouldn't say it's great at, at, at telling that story, but once you get out of your cell, you know, you get permission from your robot to get out of your cell, and you can actually walk around in a common area, and there's people there to talk to. And that's kind of what Sean was talking about, not being, uh, you know, like a hunter style game as much as it is kind of like you could just imagine it as a third person character action game of some kind so you can walk around and talk to people and they have different things that they'll say and some people really are freaking out and rocking in a corner like oh god nothing matters what am I doing oh god um, but but then you know there are people there who are trying to you know buck the system or fight or do whatever they can you know so it's sort of a you know triumph of the human spirit I guess kind of thing at least that's what they sort of intended to be how, how it comes off might be something a little bit different uh, yeah I like I, I like all of that I don't like the, oh, there's this guy who's trying to blow up the world and you have to stop them because at some point it, it takes a hard left into anime. I have to <laughs> save my friends. And I, the, the Panopticon, Panopticon is what they call their little jail city. Yes. It's so important to me because it's my home and da 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 da. And it's like, no, you would say, oh, somebody blew a big ass hole in this prison. Let's all get the fuck out of here. And yeah, let that giant robot tear it down because I'm free now. Like that's that would make the most sense. But instead, it goes into the whole, oh, I gotta save all of my friends. It's like all of your friends are with you. Just grab them and go. So where, where the missions come so, in? So let's talk. Okay, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, are there any parts of the plot that don't feel so artificially, uh, like you know, unreal, I, unrealistically? I, I wouldn't contrived? say it really feels yeah. like that. I mean, it's it's just like any. I mean, if you can watch Sage and Blue, if you can watch a TV show where people go to high school and they have magical armor, school uniforms that give them special powers and... Ronin Warriors. Are you talking about Sailor Moon? Uh, no, Ronin Warriors. No, actually, you I making fun of Magic Knights Fire Earth. <laughs> I was actually thinking of Kill the Kill, but yes! All of those things. <laughs> um, so, if you did you ever watch, watch Kill the Kill? I did, in fact. So when we get to the... I think we have a section in the outline to talk about it. I did. Yay. I did watch like five episodes of Kill the Kill. Um, but if you, if, you can, if you can stomach that stuff, you, you know, this is... is far from that. I mean, it's at least, you know, it tries to maintain a sense of continuity. Where the missions come okay. in, though, is just like Sean says, so these panopticons, these big um, you know, city-states that are all basically giant prison uh, slash living spaces, whatever they are, um, there, there are many around the world, like giant cities. And, and actually, in-game, uh, if you're connected to the internet, which should if you have a Vita, uh, they, they actually, you can choose when you build your character, like, where you're going to be. So there's one for, like, Los Angeles, Hong Kong, uh, yeah, I'm in Helsinki, actually. Uh, and and you can actually, as you do missions that are online, you can actually compete with these other panopticons for resources and things like that. So the, the, the main thrust of this, so where the big monsters and things come in, are that these panopticons employ, it, it, using the same technology as your little personal android, they build giant-ass robots that, that go to capture resources and capture citizens, who are the, the sort of the smart uh, people who, who make other robots and things like that, and they'll do raids on each other. And so they will send you out and say, oh my gosh, you need to fight this giant robot, take a bunch of guys out there and, and go kill the robot. Uh, and so you do. So you. So one of the things about Freedom Wars that's different from most of the other similar style games is uh, it has a a, um, a very specific sense of movement and verticality. Uh, your character has a weapon, so you can carry two weapons, like a firearm uh, of various types, and maybe a 
uh, a hand weapon, so like a sword or a, a machete or something like that. Or you can carry two firearms if you want. Yeah, that's true, or two swords or whatever. So you have a, a range of weapons that you can choose from rocket launchers and, and things like that. And, and of course, uh, being a, a sort of hunter style, what, what is the style? What do you call these games? Anyway, you can uh, you know gather components to build better ones, and of course components come from the big robots, or you can find them around, or you can do special missions to, to gather them up and eventually build new, better things. Uh, but Don't ever do those missions because they're a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can take that out, and um, and then the other thing on your other arm, you have these things called thorns, which are uh, I, I kind of wish they had gone more tech with it. I'm not sure why it's this glowing thing that just wraps around your arm, but yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I'd almost just wish it had been like some sort of like charged up grappling hook or something. I, yeah. I anyway, so but what this thing does is there are three types. You can have a healing type, a snare type, and a shield type. But also, they double as a grappling hook, basically. So you can aim your reticle on either uh, any place in the environment, as long as it's within the, you know, the arena, or you can grapple onto the giant robot. And the robots have sort of hard points, like arms, faces, uh, legs, uh, other you know, wings or whatever it is that they might have. And you can climb onto them and just start hacking away at them while everybody else is running around shooting on them. So it's a little bit like uh, maybe Earth Defense Force or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's like if, if you're familiar with Monster Hunter, you can, if you focus just on their tail, you can cut their tail off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you get different uh, items from its tail if you cut it off. And, and it, it changes the behavior of the of the enemy. So exactly. if, if you shoot off a shield generator, well then that allows now all of the projectile weapons to start having an effect on it, where before they would bounce off in little hexagon shield animations. Yeah. Um, and, and furthermore, then they also will potentially be able to capture your robot, and they have these little pods inside. The robots kind of look like the angels, maybe, from Evangelion. They kind of have that they sort of... They look a lot like that, actually. Especially like the main two-legged one looks exactly like an angel for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they have some that are kind of like tigers with wings, and they have some that are like four-legged. I don't know, just like all kinds of weird-looking stuff. And and of course they they may have little uh, you know helper infantry dudes around them, so you got to make sure to get rid of those guys too. And basically that's your mission is you got to take those things down. You can grapple onto them and start pulling and pulling and and bring them down to the ground, and then everyone just jumps on them until they get back up and just you know. Yeah, and they also have, like, Team Deathmatch and Capture... Well, it's Capture the Citizen, but basically Capture the Flag missions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right. they, they also have... Um, uh, I don't know what you call them, but there, there are missions where you're, like, inside... So the environments that these take place in can be, you know, out in a desert. They can be in, like, a kind of refinery-looking zone. So they try and keep it interesting. You can, you know, grapple up onto rocks or grapple up onto overhead rigging. And, um, and sometimes you're inside these, like, weird little hallway things and, and just going in there for resources and stuff. So they try and give you a lot of different ways in which to to gather things and, and just different ways to interact with the game. What Sean's talking about, though, as far as the story, the thing that bothered me about the story is that between missions, you have no choice but to go out again. You know, you wake up in your cell the next day, the robot's like, hey, uh, dude wants to talk to you out there, so you better go talk to him. And then you go out, you have to find your way to the, you know, somewhere. Oh, have you gotten to the point where you get fast travel? Oh, yeah, I've got fast travel, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, makes that, a big gets, that gets a lot easier once you get fast travel because then you can just kind of jump there, 
talk to him, skip all of his texts because it's something dumb, and then go do your mission. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> and it sort of has the um, kind of a, I don't know, Valkyria Chronicles sort of thing where you can choose to level up your friends and they'll come with you. You can you can take them with you on different missions and um, they have different specialties and, and things like that. And of course you can customize your, your android uh, and, you know, dress them up or, or give them a particular weapon or, or issue commands to them. So that's the other thing that's kind of neat about this is that as you're fighting w alongside your teammates, you can issue some simple commands to them like, alright, everybody scatter or everybody focus on one enemy or everybody clear out the infantry or, you know, ch get citizens or, you know, whatever it is you, you need to do and you can have them do that and you can also issue separate commands to your android helper. Um, so you just want to say everybody focus on revival? Because otherwise they will just be dead all the time. Yeah, so that's one thing that happens is that your your teammates and you are kind of weak. So one drawback of the game, I, I think, is that as you, you know, spend time, as you get up into the higher levels especially, because it used to be that I could, you know, feel like I'm a pretty competent badass, you know, flipping around and, you know, grappling onto a ceiling and turning around and shooting off the wall and, and you know, then dropping down and, you know, just doing all kinds of fun stuff. Then you eventually get to a point where essentially the, you know, the robot will just come at you, pound the ground, you'll be dead, someone will come to revive you, they'll die. You might get up, oh, you know, and you can respawn eventually, and then you go and save someone, and then some giant spider robot is spinning around and just laying waste to, you know, just wrecking house on everybody. And the the, the quote-unquote last boss had this one attack that drags everybody underneath it and then crushes them, yeah. which is the worst, because it'll usually kill everybody but one person, and then that person will, sh like, run in to revive everybody and then get killed. And then die, yeah. yeah. So it does, it does turn into a little bit of a management of just trying to keep people alive. Uh, I feel like there's probably... I, I feel like I may have not been playing the game quite right, though. There's probably ways to mitigate that. Um, uh, I didn't learn until the very end of the game that you can, no matter what thorn you have, if you shoot your pro tip, if you shoot your thorn at somebody that's dead, it will revive, revive people from a yeah. distance, and it's a lot faster too. Because if you run up to him and hit circle, it's like, let me kneel down. Okay, now you're. Oh God, I'm dead yeah. because something just came up behind me. But yeah, you can you can use your thorn and revive people from a distance, and then the, of that course seems the a little too easy to be able to shoot someone from a distance to heal them. It, it is uh, a little. Wait, 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 when yeah. you're in the shit, it's it it's it makes heavy. a difference. And like and it. your it, the range on it's not super long. Yeah, mm. no. So, but <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but we have been talking about this one game for twenty minutes, so yes. maybe you should tell us about. That's true. So comparatively, and I and I kind of uh, had wanted to leave this until the end because it's going to be a lot of talking. But the other things that I've been oh, playing. Do, so do we want to let? Do you want to let Blue and and maybe, maybe let's let's do that because I I mean um I, I mean maybe now is the best time really to do it, but um. No, let, let, I mean, I'll, if you guys want to want to talk, I mean, okay. might as well. well we're, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're talking theme. about freedom wars. Yeah, we are. We are sort of. So, in comparison, so I've um, been spending a lot of time with these different sorts of, of uh, I guess, hunter style games. I guess is what yeah. you're talking because they all sort of derive from Monster Hunter, right? Yeah, it, it's funny because there's there's tons of articles out there now about how we shouldn't be calling them uh, hunter games, but nobody has another title for them, so that's just what they're going to be. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, it kind of makes sense, you know, you'd go and... I mean, they're all sort of like boss rush kinds of things where you're always fighting something giant and you're getting stuff off of it. So so they really do derive from that that idea. Uh, so Freedom Wars kind of follows, and and like Sean says, it, it, there's, sort of a, there's sort of a continuum, and I would say this is at the more story-based sort of action game end of the spectrum, maybe. 
the other one that, uh, of course, is one of my favorites is Soul Sacrifice, which uh, came out a few years ago, but then they released Soul Sacrifice Delta. And we've talked about Soul Sacrifice on the show before, but I uh, just want to highlight a couple of differences in, in the way Soul Sacrifice works compared to that. Soul, whereas, Mont- uh, whereas Freedom Wars is sort of very story-focused, and you have to deal with the story, and there's characters, and oh god, let's walk over here, and oh, now they're all at the bar, so let's go hang out with friends and talk to every one of them. Uh, Soul Sacrifice is at the far end of that, and we've, we've talked about it before, but um, it, it is extremely story-optional. Uh, in fact, any story The story elements, in that one is so good. And you know, Well, so here's the thing. I, I remember when, when I first talked about the original Soul Sacrifice on this show, I maligned the um, kind of the aesthetic of the game. I, I, I specifically remember calling it Bone Pile Chic, because everything is like gore <laughs> and piles of skulls, and you're in this it, skull cage. Yeah, and, but oh, it makes sense. I can see that. The, so... so you have you seen the end of the game? So let me let me say let me say the next thing, which is that I eventually grew to really appreciate the fiction of the world, and I know that sounds really dumb, especially if you've ever seen it or played it. The only fiction that they give you is pages in a book that kind of flip back and forth, and you can sort of read what's happening, and you get a feel for, um, you know, because the thing about the thing about Soul Sacrifice is that all of your abilities and all of the the customizations and all of the enemies that you fight are just whack ass. I mean, yeah. they're just <laughs> all over the place, and the the concept of 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 the story is that you live in this world where um, people with magical powers can basically absorb other people or other monsters and reform them and it affects them and shapes them and they turn weird and evil and messed up in the head and the powers that they do are you know the the abilities that you have can just do just all kinds of crazy things turn your arm into a a hammer or summon a giant golem to smash the ground or uh you know it's it's Shoot, shoot eggs at people. Yeah, shoot like giant mortar egg things that explode on, on, on dudes. Uh, so it's just all over the place, and the world just keeps getting messed up. And somewhere out there, there are like these normal people who are just being terrorized by these weird monsters all the time. And, and monsters are made of people who go crazy, uh, or who like experience like emotional trauma and things like it's that. It's supposed to be, there's supposed to be the seven deadly sins. Like there's the gluttony one, or the, the greed one, and all sorts of, like they're warped by the seven deadly sins. And, and then furthermore, when they released Soul Sacrifice Delta, they started going into, like, fairy tales and stuff, which is kind of weird. Um, it's, it's just kind of hard to describe it. It's all over the place. But the thing about it, the thing that I really like about it, is is actually that same sense of variety. So in, in Freedom Wars, you know, you have your thorn and you have your guns, but it's kind of just like guns and a grappling hook, and you're like, alright, well, that's kind of cool. And in Monster Hunter, you know, you do have a set of weapons, but you're kind of doing, in my opinion, this is my personal take on this, you're kind of doing the same moves over and over again. Like, if you have a giant sword, you're swinging the giant sword, or if you have an axe, you're swinging the axe, or if you have a sword and shield... Yeah. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the monsters are cool, and they're different in Monster Hunter, but... Well, it's not so much just the variety of weapons, so much it is, is that you carry that variety with you, right? Like... If you can remember old first-person shooters, you would get 10 guns over the course of the game, and you would always have access to those 10 guns. In in Soul Sacrifice, you pick six weapons, and you can use those like in tandem all the time. They, you know, they map to six different buttons, uh, as opposed to Monster Hunter, where it's like, all right, like like you said, you have your lance, and you have you know a couple different attacks you can do with the lance, but that's your that is your weapon, and you have committed to that weapon, and likely you've committed that weapon for the next couple hundred hours because that's what you're going to put your your own personal skill into whereas you know 
soul sacrifice, you can be like, all right, what's this mission? This mission's against a uh, big-ass monster. I want to be able to turn into a rock monster, uh, launch some eggs at it, uh, have an ice sword, you know, and just go nuts with it. And you can switch between any of those at a moment's notice. And then they really it provides win. a lot of flexibility. A lot. Well, and then the other cool thing is th- those are just the like the abilities. So then the other thing you can do is, as far as buffs go um, in, in Soul Sacrifice, you can all so when you do this this absorbing of people. So the entire game is based on absorbing things, or they they call it sacrificing or saving. So you can either sacrifice something and use your evil energy to consume it and get you know dark uh, you know like attack powers, or you can save something and you. You know, get get healing powers, and the th- you know the, the the poor little animal is free from its burdens or whatever, uh, and and so that affects your level. So you know, not only will you get an immediate either a, a you know a, um, a, a regeneration of your attack abilities, because that's the other thing. Okay, oh my God, there's so much stuff. Uh, as you <laughs> use your abilities, they are totally consumable. So it, you know, if you're launching rock eggs at people, based on the ability you have or how high it's leveled, it it can eventually be consumed, so you can't use it anymore in that current mission. In fact, you would have to pay something to, to be able to use it again. But as you go through and you attack little trash mobs, uh, which is the other side of this, so there's big weird-ass monsters, but there's also little weird-ass monsters. And the little weird-ass monsters, when you when you kill them, then you you have a choice to, to do something with them, to either eat them up evil or to, like, set them free. And I always feel bad because they're always, like, the, the trash mobs are always made out of animals. So it's like, it'll be this big, gross, disgusting, melted cat thing. Oh and then God, you kill it, and it turns. <laughs> and then, it, yeah, you kill it, and then it turns into a little tabby cat. And it's like, are you gonna sacrifice this little tabby cat? And they're like, like all well, sad and like rolling around on the ground. Meow, yeah. meow. I, <laughs> you're like, don't make me feel like a dick about it. But yeah, I need, I need <laughs> magic. Exactly. So that's the thing. So if your egg power, if your, you know, whatever your power is that you want to revive, if you, if you evil consume it and sacrifice it, you actually get a rest restoration of your abilities. If you save something, then it heals you a little bit, and um, and then as you're doing that in the long term, that's what builds up your overall tendency to have uh, offensive attack powers or defensive um, helping powers. Uh, the the other thing that they added for Delta was kind of a middle ground where it's a flip of the coin and it, it does uh, sort of other things for you. Uh, so my point for that was all just groundwork for then talking about in addition to the abilities you can do, uh, you have you know you absorb or save things through the power of your weird mystical arm and um, if, if you if you've been sacrificing a lot of things your arm is like red and like messed up looking and evil and if you are healing a lot of things like it kind of looks you know sort of nice and angelic or whatever um, but that arm also between missions you can preload sets of buff abilities so you can be like all right in addition to Sean's scenario where you like want to have a rock monster and an ice sword and whatever you can say all right I'm going to power up my arm with ice sword power like any ice abilities that I use are going to get a buff any summoning abilities that I use are going to get a buff and I'm going to be really tough against messed up cats or something you know and and you can save that and then between missions if you look at it and you're like okay it's going to be this I'm going to load up my special set of abilities I'm going to load up my special set of of you know buffs and then go and the the point at which that gets really cool like all of these games like Freedom Wars like Monster Hunter like Soul Sacrifice like and there are other games that we, you know we're not even really going to talk about but um, is when you get online with them and play with intelligent actual human beings and the same way that it's super fun in MMOs where you're like all right I'm going to be a tank and you're going to be the DPS guy and you know you're going to be support and whatever you could presume you know for for like really tough you know missions 
you could set up and be like, alright, I'm gonna have a shield ability, I'm gonna have an area healing spell, everybody get behind me, we're gonna knock this guy down, and then we're gonna, you know, just jump on him or whatever, and so you can you can sort of coordinate like that. That's the thing that I really like about Soul Sacrifice, and all the things that slow down games like Freedom Wars or Monster Hunter, they, you just don't have to deal with those if you don't want to. But even though that's the case, I kind of, like, I, I don't know, I, just, I guess I just have this tendency, like, when something I like something I like to play, I just start to like, you know, like, okay, maybe the story is kind of cool. You know, the story the story in Soul Sacrifice, it, it's weird to say you have to play the whole thing to get the payoff, but once you get that payoff, it makes the whole story worth it. Like, it's, it is sort of a weird story, but the, the sort of twist, uh, just by, na- like, me being cynical about every Japanese story ever, I spent that whole game going, oh my god, I see the twist coming from a mile away. This is so dumb. Why am I listening to this story? And then when it's not that, and it's like something completely stupid, it's just the best Isn't that the best? Like, to me, that is in anything, in a book or in, even in music, when when the the creator, the artist does something, and I'm being all, like you said, like all cynical about it, okay, I know what the next thing is going to be. But then, not only is it not what I expected, but it turns out even better, and I'm like, oh, that's the best! Like, like that, of course, there's no way on earth you could have predicted that because why? How could you? Like, that's the dumbest thing that's I've the best. ever told. That's the best. So anyway, I've been playing Soul Sacrifice Delta, which really is a um, uh, kind of a half step up from Soul Sacrifice. In fact, it, once you've played Delta, you realize that Soul Sacrifice, the original, kind of was sort of a half. I mean, like they didn't really finish it. I mean, it, I, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on it, just because uh, I know they've got games to talk about too. But I yes, do want to sure. say that. My my only big problem with Delta was that you could bring your character over from Soul Sacrifice, mm-hmm. except it leveled him all the way down and lets you keep the weapons, which would have been fine, except it also says, hey, you've already completed all these missions. So the story missions are done with, yeah. Yeah, and so you don't really know where to start. Right. It's, it's... I, I did. There was a period of a lot of confusion right at the beginning. I do remember yeah. that, but uh, definitely, I, definitely a lot of fun. And um, you know, either e- both of these games actually are on Vita. I guess we, I don't know if we really talked about that, but both Freedom Wars. Oh, and... I I pretty much only play games on the Vita now. Yeah. I don't know if I said that. Best portable ever. Yeah. So a uh, couple couple quick notes on Monster Hunter Four, which is the other one I've been playing. Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. Still fun. Still Monster Hunter. Um, they've added some cool verticality, like you can actually jump on monsters now and ride them around and and. Uh, uh, you know that's uh, that's kind of neat. Um, uh, it's pretty cool on the 3DS. Um, you're still gathering a lot of mushrooms and stuff. Um, the 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 monsters are still cool. Of all of these, like the big bosses are the the most well conceived, I think, in Monster Hunter. Um, the, I, I don't know. Sh- Sean, I don't know if you have anything extra to say about Monster uh, I Hunter. I have not played a Monster Hunter game since I reviewed Try. Because I don't know if you guys would remember, I reviewed that for Joystick, and then the Joystick readers descended on me and uh, my family, and were generally terrible people. So it that kind of turned me off for months. Oh, that's a terrible story. Um, but but it is fun, and uh, you know the, the it is really the the forebear of of all of these other games that came later. Um, most fun when you're playing with other people and the the online now for 3DS actually works uh, and is not a complete pain in the ass, only kind of a pain in the ass uh, and it, it, it really is a lot of fun when, when playing with friends. A lot of good loot, I mean of course it, it probably has maybe the mm, I don't know, the most sensical loot system maybe 
I don't know, if you cut off the tail of a thing, but, you get... Well, what I like about it is you can say, alright, I want that armor, and that armor looks like a thing I can go beat up, so I'm gonna go beat up that thing and make armor out of it. Yeah. You know, like, hey, that guy looks like he's wearing parts of a Tigrex. I bet you... Now, this is... I'm just spitballing here. I bet you if I go rip the skin off of a Tigrex a couple times, uh, I'll be uh, able to make that armor. It, yeah, <laughs> that's true. It, it, it probably has the most straightforward... Uh, loot system that you can then you know use to great effect and actually make stuff that looks cool. So it definitely has that going for it. Um, other than that, to, to like Freedom Wars, where it's like, oh, I want to upgrade my sword. Well, now I'm going to need like this part of somebody's arm on this kind of machine. But it, you know, when all is said and done, it's going to look like the same sword. Yeah, and, and it's also furthermore a bunch of abbreviated part numbers and stuff. Like, where do I get one of those? I don't know what so, that piece is. I will say one of the things that, that's kind of slowed me down on that game in particular is when you get to the sort of post-end game thing, uh, there, are, there are robots that you can't damage unless you have a high-level weapon, and you can't get that high-level weapon until you beat those robots. And the idea is supposed to be you go online with higher-level people, they'll kill the robot for you, and you get parts, parts from it, and that just seems like the most awful way to play a game. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, I think that's that's probably all I can say about that. There there are other games out there that are like this that I have not played at all. I know uh, Tokiden or Tukaiden. I don't even know how you say that. Uh, Tokiden. Uh, Tokiden. Really? Is that how you say it? Tokiden. Um, I believe that's how it is. It originally came out for Vita. They're now going to do a Tokiden um, uh, Kiwami, I think it's called, and that's going to be coming out on Vita and PS4 actually. And from what I understand, uh, the Kiwami game is going to be to Tukid in the original what Soul Sacrifice Delta was to Soul Sacrifice, so there may be no reason to go back and, and play the original. Uh, that, the, every every one of those games that's come out on the Vita has had something like that. Ragnarok Ace. Yeah, that's the other one was Ragnarok, yeah. and I haven't played that either, so I can't really speak to that. I haven't. I've hardly played it. It's not very good. Mm, that's <laughs> too bad. So. It's kind of meh. Anyhow, so that was sort of our comprehensive uh, you know, around-the-world tour of, of Hunter-style games. Oh, uh, we don't want to talk about uh, Valhalla Knights? You can go for it, man. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh, I see. Look for my review of Valhalla Nights 2 on TechGaming.com. Which is an internet website. Which is an internet website where you can get reviews from people <laughs> like Blue Swim. What has he been playing? Hey, I have been playing, big surprise, Dead or Alive 5 last round. You put a uh, boob game on the outline, and you were not far from the mark. <laughs> now, is that the, that's the new free-to-play one? Or is that, am I thinking um, something it, else? There's a free-to-play version of it called Core Fighters, or Last Round Core Fighters, and you get uh, four characters, uh, Kasumi, Ayane, uh, Hayabusa from Ninja Kaiden, and Hayate, who is Ayane, or uh, is Kasumi's brother, or something to that effect. See, I've always said said that free-to-play fighting games make actually a lot of sense, yeah. But the one thing you got to do that none of them are doing yet is you have to randomize the, the fighters you get. Because if everybody has the same four fighters, you're just going to go online, even if you buy the game, right? You're going to go online and face those same four fighters over and over again. And it'll just be really boring. But if everybody has four different fighters, but you just have to pay to make sure that you get the one you want, uh, you'd at least have a lot more variety there. Because I feel like what they're doing now is taking value away from the people who actually pay money for it. Yeah, I can see that. It's, you know, it's not exactly the uh, most enjoyable experience to go online and face 
Hayabusa after Hayabusa after Hayabusa. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, mean, I, I know. I know the argument to that as well. If you play Street Fighter, you're going to fight Ken after Ryu after Ken after Ryu. <laughs> but it, it's you're going to have a Zangief thrown in there a little more often than you would if those were the only options. You know. Yeah, and what uh, Team Ninja has done with at least with Dead or Alive uh, Five Ultimate's version of it, which is the the previous iteration, um, they would have a random character every now and then like uh for the next week you can use uh brad uh brad and but that's uh, even worse because then everybody's gonna use brad <laughs> yeah but on the plus side it's you know the free-to-play version which i you know i bought i bought the full version which is uh 30 on ps3 and i think 30 on 360 as well uh but with the the um uh with the free-to-play version you know the characters are only four bucks a piece so it's not exactly that big of a commitment, but in the overall grand scheme of things, it's, it's a better deal to just go ahead and get the full version instead. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, when I was playing Marvel Heroes, I paid for Captain America because I really just wanted a Captain America game. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, if you buy the characters piecemeal, it's the same thing. You're wasting your money. But if you really just want to play as that one character, then it's it's not a bad deal. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm honestly from what uh, the free version of Dead or Alive Five offers. I believe it's uh, the full arcade mode, the full uh, time trial and survival modes. But you have to pay to uh, get the uh, story mode and the music, and you can play online for free. I mean, it's for a free to play game. It's the best fighting version that I've seen. Because have you, uh, have you played uh, Killer Instinct? I have not played Killer Instinct because I do not have one of those next next gen consoles. Mm. I have a Wii U though. But um but yeah, I mean, you know, with uh, the Tekken and Soul Calibur free to play games, they were you know, you have to wait, you know, twelve minutes to get a coin to play on uh, to play a round of this or play the arcade mode, and it's just like no fuck that. That's that's not fun and I think the way that Dead or Alive has uh, handled the free to play uh, the free to play market has been about as good as anybody can really hope for. Uh, so at the very least, I recommend everybody go out and at least try Core Fighters. I don't know if it's. I think there's a demo on the Xbox One, but if you want the Core Fighters, you have to pay five bucks because Microsoft's kind of a dick about free to play stuff. It's weird. Yeah, and I, I I keep saying I'm going to download it because I liked Dead or Alive too, mm-hmm. uh, and I I think four core fighters is probably all the Dead or, Dead or Alive I really need. Um, yeah, and you know I mean five is the best Dead or Alive game I've played as far as pure gameplay goes. Or at the very least, it's a coin toss with uh, DOA three. I I've really enjoyed that one as well. I did play DOA three. That was that was original Xbox, right? Yeah, yeah, I had that one. That's, that game is still fun to play. I, I'm hoping that Team Ninja at some point does a free-to-play, for, or a, not a free-to-play, excuse me, an HD remaster of the Xbox One, the original Xbox One uh, era Dead or Alive games, because those were the peak of Team Ninja, in my opinion. They, they made me a fan of that studio, and I've been hoping that they get to that level of overall quality ever since, and they've kind of gotten close but uh... I would just be happy if they bought uh, Virtua Fighter since Sega's probably never going to do that anything with that again <laughs> yeah yeah and um, 
But uh, speaking of uh, Virtua Fighter, I mean, they did not add any new Virtua Fighter characters to last round. Unfortunately, with uh, with DOA Ultimate, they added uh, Jackie Bryant. And this time, people were hoping maybe they'll add uh, maybe Vanessa. I think no, she would have been. In order to do that, there has to be somebody at Sega to answer the phone and say, <laughs> oh, yeah, we can totally work this deal out. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, but, uh, okay, as far as the, you know, the final product last round goes, um, what you get is, if you haven't read Robert's review on the site for the uh, ne- the next-gen version, uh, you get basically five new characters, uh, three of which were DLC if uh, in Dead or Alive 5 Ultimate. Um, so basically two if you've already bought those characters, but in my case I didn't, so it was basically five, five new characters to play with. Um, uh, the two new characters that they added were uh, Rido from the original Dead or Alive, who has been yibatized with a cyborg arm and a crazy robot eye and stuff like that. And it's you know most of the move set seems yibatized, yibatized, and <laughs> and you know most of his move set seems to be pretty similar to um, to how he played in Dead or Alive dimensions on the 3ds which i believe was the first game i ever reviewed here um fun fact (laughs) and uh the other new new fighter is um honoko who is actually kind of like a compilation character she has a bunch of moves from pretty much everybody on the roster except for maybe the virtual fighter characters can i just say that i hate how yibatized hanukka is now (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's you know, she's from a design standpoint, she's a neat character. But when you look a little bit deeper, I mean, you notice that her face is exactly the same as Marie Rose's, uh, but on a different body. <laughs> and you know, the moves she doesn't have any distinct moves unique to her. It's just her thing is that she basically is a melting pot of the moves of everybody else. So never, she can real quick. They've never had a, a DOA Tekken crossover, have they? No, and I would be down with that. Right? It seems like such an obvious one. I mean, I guess they've got Street Fighter cross Tekken, so that's probably never going to happen. But I, I almost made a gun jack joke, and I was like, "That's a different game," but they're so artistically similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, part of that was uh, Tomonobu Itagaki, the guy who used to be the master ninja of Team Ninja. Until he got advertised. W- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, man, he just hated Tekken with a passion. <laughs> I mean, every interview he would he would just be shooting off Tekken as shit. <laughs> he just could not stand it. Man, and, I wonder where that know, dude is now. He's uh, making uh, Devil's Third for Nintendo. Yeah, that's Nintendo's right. publishing yeah. it. And, I mean, honestly, it's, you know... Do you think he still wears his sunglasses? I think they've... I, I, well, after his eyes got yibatized, he has to wear them. <laughs> Otherwise, the sheer power will <laughs> melt the faces of those in close proximity. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, uh, you know, uh, Last Round has a lot of uh, DLC from uh, the original Dead or Alive 5. Uh, I think it has all but maybe one of the swimsuit packs, and then it has, like, the 
first half of Dead or Alive 5 Ultimates DLC included with it. For a total of uh, 400 costumes, I, I believe, or over 400 costumes. So, I mean, it's a great value to someone who hasn't already bought a lot of this stuff. Because if you already have the DLC characters and you already have most of the of the DLC, you know, Rhino and Honoka may not necessarily be worth, you know, spending a full 30 on, but you can get them for $4 a piece, I think. So maybe that's the way to go. You can Because you can update Dead or Alive 5 Ultimate to last round, and I believe that gives you access to the new round of costumes that they included with the game or that they included with last round so so how many costumes do, does each character have um it varies i know some of the ninjas are probably in the 20s or 30s uh, see see this is actually a, a setup for an eight eight gifts for hanukkah it's pronounced gifts <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what else have you been playing? Um, the only other thing I've, I've uh, been playing is that I uh, tr- I triple platinumed the Tomb Raider trilogy, the uh, HD remaster on PS3. I, I talked about it uh, two, maybe three episodes ago, but I finally got around to you know going through each of the stages in uh, Tomb Raider Legend, finding all the artifacts and all the relics and. Jeez. Yeah, and and the thing was, I actually, and more for uh, Tomb Raider uh, Underworld, I actually had to had to use a strategy guide for some of this stuff. I mean, mostly for uh, Underworld because they just randomly drop around artifacts just randomly in the level, and you just have to just kick the right urn, and oh, there's an artifact. It it, it felt like they were just completely randomized where the relics to find are, whereas in Tomb Raider Legend, which was the first game to be released in the new trilogy, um, you know, it's like, you had to use a little bit of thinking, like, okay, you're climbing up onto this ledge, and it looks like you can climb up over here, but you know you're supposed to go this way, so, you know what, I'll just go over here and climb up, and, oh, hey, look at that, there's a relic. You know, it's like, they, they distributed them throughout the stages in a very smart way. It's like you had to do a lot of thinking like, okay, if I push this boulder down that's hidden and put it in this certain place, it'll lift this thing up and there's a gold treasure. It's it's like, there was a fun challenge to it, but with Underworld, it just it, it felt just completely randomized and it wasn't enjoyable at all. <laughs> if I did not find a strategy guide at a secondhand store around here, I would have been up shit's creek without a paddle and yeah. getting a platinum trophy well, on that. If, if you want another uh, easy but fun triple platinum, is the Sly Cooper collection. Yes, yes, yes. Those, those are all, since they weren't designed around having trophies, the trophies are all pretty easy to get and and all within the story. Uh, and it's actually kind of funny that the the Platinum for um, Sly Two actually comes up in the middle of the final boss fight. It does, like you don't get a trophy for beating the game, but you get a trophy for doing something in the middle of the boss fight. So you could <laughs> actually not beat the game and still get a platinum. Event. That's funny. One, <laughs> one of my two platinums is Sly the first. Yeah. Well, so Sly Two is actually easier than the first one because you don't even have to collect all the bottles. You just have to yeah, 
play through. I, I need the... to play that. I finished the first one last year. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a fun platinum to get. It, you basically have to beat the game. There's like uh, six things you need to buy over the course of the game, and then you have to collect thirty bottles. So it's it's a really easy platinum. Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, I mean I, I enjoyed the uh, the first slide when I played it on Vita, and I know there were some audio uh, yeah. issues with the, it. The second one is very buggy. Uh, but it, it, nothing that's unplayable, but some weird things like uh, so you know when you're you, you, like you have a communicator conversation, it's you actually sly. using yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually using the the character models that are on the field, right? So if they'll go through their idle animations, it'll kind of show up on the communicator. And in the PS2 version, and I think in the PS3 version too, um, they actually cut some of the idle animations out. Uh, and they didn't do that in this version. And so, specifically the one where Bentley takes his hat off, uh, it'll try and stop the animation, and sometimes his hat will just stick in front of his face. So then he's talking to a hat. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's little things like that. Like, And, and some of the sound is off, but th- thankfully not the important sound, which is the little clinking glass, which is the whole reason you play that game. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I've been playing. I mean, if honestly, the Tomb Raider trilogy, you can get it for about thirty bucks, which is about ten bucks a game. You know, well, which is ten bucks a game, I should say. <laughs> I think. And, I think if you because you can buy those piecemeal on the PSN store, right? Uh, I think you can buy. I know. I think you can buy Underworld on there, and I think you can get. The PSP versions of the other two. I'm not sure if the remember anniversary. I think it was. Or yeah. what's what's the one where you start out on the yacht? Uh, the one where you start out on the. Uh, that might be underworld. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's uh, underworld. Because that was free on PlayStation Plus. Yeah, that's the last game in the um, in the Tomb Raider trilogy. But you know, I mean, it's they're fun games. They you know, if you like the Uncharted style games i mean they're not quite as refined as those because they were started out as ps2 games and then they built on a ps2 engine for the next gen at the time consoles of the ps3 and the 360 so there's a little bit of jankiness there but they're still fun games and it's a fun story if you like uh star wars Mm -hmm. mighty morphin power rangers isn't quite as refined (laughs) (laughs) unless it's the uh the rated r 15 minute fan i have still not seen that it's i watched like a minute of that and i'm like okay yeah i don't want this to poison my childhood memory so screw yeah. this yeah, I, I i have no i have no loyalty to power rangers so i you know i watched it it was, it was all right but yeah oh, I, I, mean... I thought you were talking about the porn of laura croft wait there's porn of laura croft yeah <sighs> Quickly to the internet. <laughs> Sage, what have you been playing? <laughs> Not porn. I'll tell you what. Yeah, sure. Good night, everybody. It's opposite day. That's what Goat Simulator later was really supposed to be. Uh oh. Goat Simulator. Simulator. Um, I have been playing several fun and enjoyable games. Um. I jumped on Within Without for a little while, which is one of those storybook type games, and I'm not usually into them, but this one was either free or like a buck 
or it came in a humble bundle pack. So I was like, okay. And it's, um, it's amusing. I mean, it's super, super, super short. So you have to really want those storybook kind of games to explain me storybook. Do you mean like a, like a, like a dating sim or what do you mean? Like a, no, like the, like the, you're not doing anything. Just, yeah. Like, like choose your own adventure. It's Jeremy is Japanese, so you won't like it anyway, right? Ew, I hate Japanese things. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I just but the about one the three thing games that, I, that are all from Japan that I really like. Ew. Well, I figured you didn't know that they were from Japan. Oh yeah, I still sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's like I feel asleep. I'm like sometimes I feel asleep too. <laughs> The one thing I liked about it was, um, so you pick all these choices, like, you know, someone's banging on her door, do you do you get up, or do you say, fuck it, and crawl back into bed? And it gives you the bad ending when you choose what would typically be the, like, non-responsible, I'm not an adult choice, so if you crawl back into bed, bad ending. If you get <laughs> mad at the guy who's trolling you out at the marketplace where you're trying to sell your stuff, then you get the bad ending. Like, you're supposed to be just very like, oh, I'm fine, it's fine, I'm not mad. And But the one part that I thought was interesting given that was it gets to a point where she's like, man, I worked really hard today and I'm home from work and I have to get up early for work tomorrow. Should I play this new video game that I bought or should I go to bed? And if you go to bed, which seems like the responsible thing to do, that's the bad ending. Like you're supposed oh, to So wait, wait, wait. So is that is that, I mean, does it let you know that it's that kind of game? Like your goal is to do like the responsible thing or, you know, whatever. You- well, you figure it out, because every time you choose the irresponsible thing, you get the bad ending, except this, because somehow staying up all night playing a video game reminds her of her true passion in life, and then they have this little comment about how, like, little games are still valuable because, you know, the game makers are trying their best, wink, 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 like our little stupid game. Oh, so, man. That's, you that's, you know what game you should ending. play is, is Sweet Fuse. Is are you are you is this like a goat sea thing? Like you're no, telling me to I don't play remember, this is terrible or I don't remember if I played this before or after I stopped being on the show. It's on the PSP and I think the PC. Mm-hmm. But it's uh it's a graphic not graphic novel. Uh <laughs> Yeah, what do you call uh, those? Interactive fiction what the... oh, it's gonna kill me. Uh intera- not interactive novel, something novel. Visual something, novel. right. It, visual novel, thank yep. you. That is what it is. It's a visual novel. It's the story is very similar to one of the nine 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 games. So you're mm-hmm. stuck in a, a theme park with these other people and like you'll bleed, like you'll bleed. No, but you are <laughs> like the whole gimmick of this game is that you are um, KG Inafune's daughter. Really? That does or not 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 her daughter, her her niece. Sorry, his niece. His niece. Uh, and it's you're also over the course of the game going to fall in love with one of the other people in the theme park, and it's weird and goofy. Uh, and when I played through it, I got the most depressing ending ever because I picked the dreamy thirty uh, year old reporter for my high school girl. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the game, spoiler, if you don't want to know one of the six endings of this game, uh, you find out he has a daughter and uh, get married and take care of this guy's daughter. Ugh. <laughs> Super depressing. You guys are playing some, like, lame-ass so anyway, like, well, power no, trips or fantasy, you know. I, I wanted to try something that was outside the... And I it's never satisfying. I always think, like, oh, I'll try something that's not what I usually play, and it's always some junky and eh, whatever game. So anyway, don't play that. That's this is my don't play that of the week. Um, Sweet but, 
But my but my do plays. <laughs> I will check out Sweet Fuse. My do plays include uh, 140. Do you guys know that game? Um, I play no. every okay. day, all day long. No. So on 140 is um, it's like a mix between Bit Trip Runner. Maybe like Thomas was alone a little bit because it's a puzzle platformer, but you're doing it to music. So it's not like the scrolling thing like Bit Trip, but you're doing it to music and you're, uh, what you do with your character does have an, is connected to the music that's going on in the background in the environment. I cannot speak highly enough about this game. It is so well done, it's shocking to me because a lot of times when you're playing those interactive with music games, if the rhythm is just slightly off, you find yourself either trying to catch up or trying to second-guess the rhythm. This game, if you play in beat with the rhythm, you you cannot go wrong. And it, it exactly tells you sort of where you need to be and what you need to do. That doesn't make it any less difficult because it's still a puzzle platformer and, and there are challenging moments to that. But um, you have this little figure that is a square when it's sitting, it's a ball when it's moving, which is just arrow keys, and you turn into a triangle when you're jumping, um, which is nice. It's not necessary, but it gives it some amount of variety to went to your movement, which I think is cool considering your character is this little geometric shape instead of being an actual, you know, anthropomorphic-looking being. So... You hop, roll, bounce along, and you're collecting these little spheres of color. And every time you collect a little sphere of color and go to what looks sort of like a round donut slash docking pod with your little sphere of color, um, the game expands and it adds a whole new level of color, a whole new layer of color, and a whole new layer of background music. And it's all electronic music. So it's like... So it's like synthesizing. And the nice thing about it is it's not like happy hardcore electronica where it's sort of overly. I like Bit Trip Runner a lot, but I can't play it for too long because it starts to grate on me because it's that like happy, <laughs> like happy techno sound. And I just I don't want to listen to that over and over again. But this is like the deep, soothing, like d- almost doom jazzy kind of electronica music, if you will. And so. So it's it's like uh, it's like yibatized uh, Bit Trip Runner. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Let's go with that. We took your um, runner and we yabatized it. Yabatized. That should be the new, just like, we yabatized your game. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> um, Shut up, you're yabatized. <laughs> yeah, right. And then they're just like, okay. The yabatizer. That's Dr. Robotnik's uh, machine for turning you into a robot. <laughs> or a bean. Or a anything. Or a pinball machine. <laughs> Um, or a little chick. So anyway, um, yes, this is all true. So like you, like equalizer bars, how, you know, old style equalizer bars. So let's say you get the second or third sphere of the section that you're on. It, it, um, it will add that into the background. And then at the same time, it'll add like another layer of synthesized sound. But like I said, not too happy hardcore or anything. So it's really soothing to play and it feels really good to actually go through this game and play it and be in sync with the music. And like I said, I just feel like a lot of games that try and have a music-based movement strategy, they're always a little bit off, and if they're a little bit off, then it totally screws with you. I won't say all of them are always a little bit off, but a lot of them are a little bit off, and it screws with your sense of rhythm just a little bit. Um, And it's not, you know, like, frequency... If you have if you have it set on too high or too low a difficulty, you have a hard time matching all the beats to the music because they don't quite line up with the rhythm the right way because it's representing all different parts of the song. If anyone's ever played Frequency, oh, you sure. should 
Right, okay. So the, what keeps this, well, I think what makes this work so well is that it's such a simple game and it's just this basic geometric puzzle platformer. The other really cool thing is that it's not just this ongoing, like, oh, jumping, ducking kind of thing. You, like, the first section ends with a bad guy and you pick up a little floating triangle instead of sphere of color. You pick up this little floating triangle and it zaps a laser beam. And then you're sitting at the bottom of this stage trying to zap these big bad guys that keep splitting into smaller pieces while avoiding their little death spheres and it's still in time to the music and so they found a way to incorporate elements that keep the game really um, novel feeling and it doesn't ever get to a point where you feel like oh I've done this too many times already and it still do- it still manages to do it in time with the music and they never do anything where they're like oh we're gonna take a break and it's going to be totally different because that's the only way to keep it interesting which I feel like some games when they hit upon a a different way of doing it they can't really keep it up the whole game because they can't find a way to have it support what they're trying to do with all the different tasks you're given if that makes sense but this game finds a way to do that mm-hmm. so this is on PC I assume right? This is on PC I, I think in the Humble Store when I got it a few weeks ago it was like Four dollars, five dollars. Yeah, I just looked it up. So game one four zero dot com, and you can just pay them directly for five bucks. Yep, you can do that too. And it's really, really good. I super highly recommend it. It doesn't get boring, and it's got good music, and it's enjoyable. Um, The one thing I'll say is, I don't. If there is a menu that lets you back out and save where you are, I haven't found it. But you can play it windowed and just like minimize the window, and it'll keep you where you are, and it and it won't keep the music playing or anything. But um, I I like tried to hit escape, and it like slowly faded, and I was like, oh cool menu, and then it was like, so you're done playing, and it closed the window, and I had to start all over <laughs> from the beginning, and I was like, god Oops. damn it, oh, you got, no, you got right, so so don't do that. Yeah, I got yabitized <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> Speaking of yabitization, sorry, I know I'm kind of rushing this along, but we've got a we've got a lot of show left to cover. Okay, um, my my la- my last game I want to talk sorry. about is that okay? That is fi- fine. Yeah, that's okay. great. <laughs> my my last game that I want to talk about is I I did play this other music based um, free game called Last Tango. It's free, so it's sort of worth checking out. It's also but you're spies and you have to move and shoot your guns to kill bad guys in time with the music. I mean, it's like it's, that's a very moving and killing bad guys is a very uh, unique. Trait of this Eat video game. a dick, Sean. What I'm saying is, you're dancing together as a couple in 16-bit, and you have to. But it's it's worth checking out because it's an interesting idea. But as compared to 140, it is not very good in time with the music. Like the sense of rhythm doesn't fit with what you're doing. So that one, as a comparison, not as good. But it's free, so it's worth sort of looking at. But the other free game that I found, I did. I this is maybe one of the only times I've been wrong about doing something I don't normally do and it not working out. I went and looked for free games online, which I almost never play, and I found one called Untrusted, and it is hard and really cool. It's a JavaScript-based game, and you, you a little bit like Portal, you like start out as um, in a little room, and you pick up this thing, and this person is talking to you. You pick up this thing that they're like, oh, you found the computer, that's great. So they're trying to trap you in this place, and you have to get out. And so the way that you manage your the way that you get through the game and get through the levels is by altering javascript that they have scripted to keep you trapped in these areas which is i've i was always nerds no but i it is a really nerdy game it's a super nerdy game but here's what's cool about it if you weren't ever a nerd which i 
was a nerd, but I never got into coding. Like when when Sean, when Justin at Tulane was doing all his coding, and I was like, "What is this? It's magical." What he's a lawyer? Why is he coding? He was coding back in college, but anyway, he. Um, I'm a lawyer. It doesn't mean anything. He it means so much. It doesn't mean anything. I'm. I am now Tech Gaming's legal resident legal person. Um. I thought coding was really cool, but I never got into it. And one of the cool things about this game is it sort of teaches you Java not in a tutorial style, but in a, you know, oh, you should be able to get through this if you just change one. Th- like, it'll give you hints. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it'll say you should only need to change a few characters. And so you start looking at the coding and trying to analyze, okay, well, what about this is a, is a pattern that I can change or what about... And, as far as learning JavaScript, I mean, it's hard. There are definitely levels I have not been able to get past. So I it's they use JavaScript instead of something really weird. Yeah, yeah, what is this called again? I, I guess it's called Untrusted. Untrusted, because you know, I know that um, Double Fine is working on a um, kind of a similar. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it's anything like this, but uh, called. Um, oh my God, I'm going to blank on it. Uh, <laughs> hack and slash, <laughs> hack and slash, where you basically it's like a. I guess a dungeon slashy kind of game, but the hack mm-hmm. part is that you can basically go into uh, presumably the code of the game, and it's probably fakey code, but you can basically alter the characteristics of the game and give yourself like super powerful weapon or you know debuff an enemy or something like that by I guess messing with the you know with the code with the code I guess uh, I, I don't know cool. if there, there's a lot of information out. On is that. it but is it like a dumbed down like console version of messing with code? Like they're like switch these puzzle tiles and you will have changed the code. No, no. I, I, yeah. They, they said uh, Tim Schafer was talking about how he wanted to make something for his his daughter to learn how to code. Ah, I see. Yeah, well, that's I mean, cool. whether it's like legit actual programming language, I do not know, but it's I think right. it's supposed to be true to that this, idea. Logo. This the fun is, of the game ends yeah, with yeah, the words turtle. "God mode." This is pretty. This is pretty. Oh, I remember with the little turtle. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, that was so old school. Anyway, the the neat thing about Untrusted is it also has some sort of deep bassy electronica, like but hum kind of music, not like and you could play it at work. <laughs> the reason I went and looked for these kind of games is because I was looking for like sometimes I'll be sitting there and I have ten minutes between things I need to do, and this is something where if you wanted to look at JavaScript and learn JavaScript in what is technically a video game and is free. You can search Untrusted. It's uh, by a guy named Alex. I think his last name is Nivich or Nevich. Or, and he, he made it on GitHub. So if you see an, a web address that looks like Alex something Nevich at GitHub, that's where it is. And it's fun and really hard. And if you are a nerd, you will love it. And if you want to be a nerd, you will learn to love it. And yep, go play it. It's free. Robert here, and 
today I'm being joined by John O'Neill from Sparkplug Games, who's on hand to talk about two upcoming titles. Welcome to the Tech Gaming Podcast, John. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's talk about uh, the Cary, North Carolina-based team. I've worked on a number of high-profile titles, everything from Civ Four, Deadhead Fred, which was a favorite of mine, uh, to Robotech titles, oh, and uh, even Spy vs. Spy. Now, now, was that the original First Star version? Of Spy versus Spy. I, oh man, I ain't that old. <laughs> I am. <laughs> that was I played that on my, I believe, Commodore sixty four. I was gonna say I played it. Yeah, I played it on the Commodore sixty four as well. So it, it was definitely the same license, but it was not quite the one that was that old. Okay. Was it, was it the NES version? <laughs> it was the Xbox and the GameCube version. Okay. I in fact, it was it was only Xbox GameCube in the U.S. It wasn't PS two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there was a little bit of a problem with the publisher having. Uh, upset Sony, so they blocked it in America. So you can only play it on the PS2 in Europe. Wow. I don't know if it stayed that way, but yeah, funny little fact. Interesting. So so tell me a little bit more the, about the team. How big is the team, and how, how did uh, Sparkplug find its way to North Carolina? Yeah, so uh, I've been kind of playing around in the game industry, oh good grief, for almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, started at Microprose, bounced around after a layoff, uh, <laughs> ended up flying overseas, staying there a bit, and then coming back and working with a company called Vicious Cycle um, here in North Carolina. Uh, A couple friends of mine started that up, uh, who I worked with at Microprose years in the past. And so that's where uh, Robotech, Spy vs. Spy, Deadhead Fred, a lot of really great games and a wonderful team came together. And I met uh, Ben Licious, who is the co-founder of Sparkplug Games, uh, while we were both working together at Vicious Cycle. And... About seven and a half, eight years ago, uh, he and I you know, just got to talking about how much we love building games and the trends the industry was moving in at that time. And, you know, we, we definitely, we, <laughs> once you've been in games long enough, you really don't want to do anything else, but you yeah. still want to have a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, and so we kind of uh, experimented with this idea that, you know, let's get back to our roots of building great games, having fun, but doing it, you know, kind of for ourselves. Um, and this was before smartphones really took off. It's before a lot of developers who'd been experienced with larger studios sort of breaking off and going, you know, the small independent route. Um, it was just more of a, a desire for us, you know, to screw up on our own. <laughs> <laughs> Because 2008 was a great year for the economy, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, now, now so, let's talk about some of your early efforts. Uh, there, there, were, sure, sure. there was the port of uh, Puzzle Quest 2. Um, oh, yeah. A, another uh, map three puzzler uh, by the name of Pac-Match Party, starring, of course, everybody's favorite pellet muncher, Pac-Man. Now, now how did you acquire development duties for these titles? You know, it's interesting. Um, so much of what we do in this industry is based on relationships and not burning bridges and, you know, just staying connected to other people. Being on the East Coast, it's always been interesting because for a long time it was hard to get awareness built about the fact that there is an East Coast when you're dealing with West Coast publishers. Um, So for me personally, I spent a tremendous amount of time just building business relationships while I was at Vicious Cycle. And then when we started Sparkplug, um, I continued those relationships, and one in particular that we had that was very strong uh, was with a number of people who were over at Namco Networks, mm-hmm. and 
they acquired the rights to Puzzle Quest. Obviously, they own Pac-Man. And so we started doing some work together with them. And the team just worked really well together. So it was one of those things where we kind of heard in the grapevine that there was, you know, another version of Puzzle Quest coming out. They wanted to go to mobile. Pac-Man was coming up to the 30-year anniversary, and they're going to need someone. And we kind of said, hey, we're here. Love to do it. And so, right place, right time in that case. Uh, my first encounter uh, with your body of work was through Plight of the Zombie. Um, that was through, uh, found it in the Windows, uh, Windows 8 store. Now, now that was a title that, that kind of turned the tables on convention. Um, it, it allowed players to, to guide the zombie, uh, eating, I guess, innocent civilians. What was the impetus <laughs> for, for that title? You know, it's interesting. We were all... Uh, here in the studio, and at that time there was about eight of us uh, just kind of hanging out and chatting about game mechanics and and trying to understand what really motivated players when it came to mobile devices. And so small little bits of consumable gameplay, <laughs> no pun intended with the eating of zombies, uh, <laughs> kind of came out. And the game initially started simply as a puzzle mechanic using these visibility cones and trying to path trace to get from a starting point to a destination. And the zombies kind of grew out of it as a cute, fun little way of doing something a little bit different from, you know, the typical, oh, zombies, go blow their heads off, and, you know, it's all doom and gloom. Like, well, what if we just had fun with it, made it very cartoony, you know, enjoyable, and made you the zombies? So... It really evolved. It was the, an entire team effort of just trying to do something that was fun and quirky, uh, but still enjoyable, and work really well with a touch interface. Um, that was definitely one of the first games that, going to mobile, we really focused on small, quick encounters that you didn't have to invest a lot of time in. Which kind of brings it to the present. Uh, you managed to secure uh, crowdsource funding for MechRunner. Uh, and I wanted to know before we, we talk about that title, uh, if you could tell us about any of the uh, obstacles you faced uh, during that campaign. Yeah, you know, that was interesting. MechRunner um, is one of those IPs that we had been building for quite a while and actually had been working with Unity uh, when they had a publishing wing. We got uh, about 75% completed with Unity, and they decided to go a different direction. And fortunately, you know, we retained the rights to our original IP. And so we really wanted to answer a couple of questions and obviously finish the game. And so we evaluated crowdsourcing, and in particular Kickstarter, as a way to build an audience, um, expose some interest from either you know PC, mobile, or console, and and then extend uh, a tremendous amount of the cinematics and you know some of the effects that we we're trying to put into the game. And so it, it was interesting. Whenever you go forward trying to do a, a Kickstarter, you invest so much energy just in the management, not a even just the uh, the campaign itself, but the interaction with all the interested people. Um, and that was very important because, like I said, we wanted to answer a question about what type of gamer is interested in this game. And we got a very clear answer, fortunately. And it was, it was exciting to see, you know, the tremendous amount of interest from handheld consoles, the Vita, um, and PlayStation and Xbox One users really wanted to play this game. And so, so, so that, was, that was the answer, kind of handheld console? Handheld and even high-end. Um, mm-hmm. 
fortunately, you know, partnering with uh, Josh Nizzi, uh, he's done some fantastic work on you know, everything that's Marvel related. Uh, we're trying to get him to let us use the Hulkbuster in the game, but Marvel probably won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, and, and some of those models were just fantastic looking. And that's that's kind of the, you know, between MechRunner and almost every game we work on, um, especially right now, MechRunner and Firefly, just having the opportunity to work with such a phenomenal crew, uh, in, both in and out of the company, uh, working with people like Josh for MechRunner, um, and then working with, you know, Fox, QMX, and everyone involved with the Firefly license, it's kind of a, you know, pinch yourself every day that you're doing this. Because like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, life is rough when you get to have fun making games. <laughs> right. Think about uh, Mech Runner. Endless Runners are a bit uh, ubiquitous, but to Mech Runner, it, it brings a new component to the table: housing progression for combat. Now, now, what else can you tell us about the game? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we were worried at first about taking the genre of Endless Runner, and if people would be too, you know, casual is probably the right word to use in that nature, even though Endless Runner is still based on an arcade style that existed from the 80s. So um, one of the nice things that we wanted to do, pausing the experience gives you a little bit of a break, but also allows us to introduce a little bit more of a tactical, and a very light tactical, but a, a combat mechanic that doesn't exist in casual endless runners. And so expanding on that a little bit more, um, there's a number of very large boss encounters that change the style of game and the tactics that you're using when you're trying to pass each one of the districts. And so it's, it's not just about obstacle avoidance. It's not just about weapon management and fighting the enemies. It's also dealing with these massive bosses in a very custom environment for each one, depending upon where you are in the level. One question, how did the team strike a balance between moving forward and stopping to to confront enemies? It seems like endless runners establish a, a sense of momentum, and then pausing might break the flow. How did, how did you circumvent that feeling? Yeah, you know, the, we went back and forth on that quite a bit. Um, it's a mechanic that we've, ex- we've experimented quite a bit with because of that whole notion of, you know, what happens when we do bring the player to a stopping point. Um, and a lot of it, I think, we balanced with just the, you know, massive over-the-top weapons that you're getting to use. And in some cases, allowing, again, answering that question or having the question answered from the style of what players enjoyed. You know, it's being able to blow the heck out of an enemy. And if you're flying by so fast and you don't get to experience it, you almost miss out on it. And so... Adding on top of the weapons, you know, the fact that you're a 40-foot transforming robot that has these massive swords, you know, you get to use the swords and you get to slice things up. (laughs) Now, now one of the hooks of the genre is that each run prods players along, uh, offering a little reward that can be used to purchase better uh, equipment and the like. And and you just mentioned some of the uh, -the over-the-top weaponry. Um, How much mech mech, uh, customization can, can we expect to see? So you have you know the mace spec itself, which has a variety of skin treatments. You have upgrades to the inventory management that allows you to pick up things that you find as you're on runs. You have your arm cannons that you use during robot mode when you want to you know be very precise with attacking things that are in the scene. You have the swords themselves that can be upgraded into different types, and those can be upgraded to more uh, to be more powerful as well. 
You have, you know, when you're in tank mode, the main cannons that have different modes and different upgrades. And then you have the missiles, which can also change. And so depending upon the type of missile, you might have more heavy fire, splash, heat-seeking, just all-around awesome. Now, the title's been announced for PC, PlayStation 4, and PS Vita with cross-buy, announced for, you know, the last two systems. What is the release date and price? So we are currently now at beta, which is wonderful. Uh, We've actually been testing with all of our Kickstarters on Steam. And we've been kind of balancing between launching on Steam first versus PS4. Uh, We're still shooting for a spring release, so we're down to the last couple of months. Um, It's a debate whether or not we'll go PS4 Vita first or Steam first. Um, The Steam test is looking great, but uh, we just want to get out there as soon as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now, the other game that Sparkplug uh, has in the wings is Firefly Online, no pen uh, intended. Now, that's a, a game based on the uh, Josh uh, Whedon uh, series. Now, before we talk about the game, I, I'd like to get a little insight, a little bit of your insight about the property. Uh, why do you think Firefly is, is still so fondly remembered? Uh, what is it now, 13 years after the show yeah. was canceled? You know, it's, it's an interesting show. I mean, it tells a story about a family, and there's so many things that happen that can be close to real life, but in a, you know, kind of future far, far away sense. It's not about superheroes. It's not about people who are out of the ordinary. You know, they're regular people going about their lives. And I think there's a lot of things that people here now can relate to. So it's, they're imperfect people. They all have their different characteristics. They all have their mistakes. And I think there's a close connection that you can make to them. And they're funny as hell. So, I mean, the writing is phenomenal. I love the, you know, the, the character design and the writing really gets you engaged with each one of the actors, each one of the you know, main characters in the show. But then all these ancillary characters come in and just mess everything up. So you can watch it over and over and get a little bit something new each time. So I think, obviously, the show uh, was ended well before its prime, and it was left with people wanting so much more. What's fascinating is how little actually has been done with the brand expanding from 13 years ago, and yet it's been kept alive by people who fell in love with the brand, millions of people who fell in love with the brand. I'm thankful for that, but (laughs) it's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> One big question is, how did the team go about adapting the series, something that's rather character-driven, uh, into a online, kind of massively multiplayer title? That must have been a big challenge. You know, it was interesting. Um, when we first announced it about two years ago, we had not finalized, we, didn't, we weren't even sure we would be able to engage with the original actors. And so the story was written to exist in the verse in the same time, just after the show and before the movie. So Wash was alive, which was wonderful. <laughs> Jubal Early is still floating somewhere out there in space. So lots of fun things you can do. Um, but we had to build something that was just existing in the verse, but not necessarily connected to the storyline as it was created through the show. And then, you know, through a series of very fortunate events, uh, we were able to... You know, it evolved the script to engage and actually directly use all of the actors. So it blew up, obviously, the scope of what we were doing, and then hence we had to you know, push it out a number of months so that it's coming out this spring instead of last fall. Um, 
but the real trick was to, like you said, you know, still allow people to play in that multi, you know, many, many multi-universe uh, experience with all these other players, but still have consistency with you know the single-player storyline. So. Speaking of, what, what type of mechanics can we can we expect to see in the title? Oh, you've got RPG, you've got light combat, a la XCOM, uh, you've got a number of crafting environments, um, you have quite a bit of cinematics interacting with the big damn heroes, um, you've got space flight. I mean, we're pretty much putting everything but the kitchen sink in there, although I'm going to make a note to put a kitchen sink in there now just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> Back of the box quote, <laughs> right? <laughs> Includes Back of the digital box. Right? <laughs> now, now, one final question: When we see uh, Firefly Online, uh, what type of pricing structure is going to be implemented? One million. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be a premium price title. Um, Steam and oh, the Steam version. Uh, I don't think it's been finalized yet. It won't be, you know, hundred thousand, but it's not going to be free. We're definitely approaching it as a premium price product. So monthly subscription or no? What's that? Will there be a monthly subscription fee? No, no, okay. not doing monthly subscriptions. Okay. Nope. Awesome. Unless you want one. I mean, I'm more than happy to accept <laughs> we'll, it. We'll take, we'll take your money. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, no problem. <laughs> well, awesome. It was a pleasure speaking with you, John, and thanks for giving yeah, us Yeah, good info. speaking to you, too. Okay. Wonderful. chills up my spine <laughs> wow that sounds maybe sexy i'm not sure what is a douche chill maybe that's a lady thing that didn't sound sexy to me <laughs> you people not, i don't know anyone who douches okay that's oh weird. my god oh okay all right let's keep going <laughs> okay so um does anybody i'm gonna throw this out there and i uh i'm gonna regret it anybody want to talk about anime here's your chance yes so on the last show i promised that i would watch kill the kill and yes, I have I watched Kill the Kill, and I actually have decent Wait, things. Wait, real quick, yes. and I pro- say I promise never to make that promise. I <laughs> I had a moment of weakness, is what happened. I mean, they were, all of them were like, "Oh, you've got to watch anime," and I'm like, "Well." So I did just to tell them. Them. Yeah. And you, they, all and of you them. liked it, didn't you? Uh, you you know what? Let me tell you about it. So you guys remember my three eye roll rule for anime, yes. right? Uh, yes. And you hit th- it in five minutes, didn't you? No, actually, here's the thing. Uh, Kill a Kill. Uh, so we talked about it briefly, where it's like the school, and of course they're school kids, and of course they have uniforms, and naturally the uniforms give them special powers, and there's this giant pecking order where everyone fights each other to get the better uh, things, and it's like super sexualized. The 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 main hero. Yeah, I've already rolled my eyes three times. Yes, it's no, but listen. Uniforms and and sexualized. So here's the thing. But it's in a funny way. No, well, it has this low thrum, like this constant low hum of of just weird tackiness, and yeah. it sort of messed with my eye roll meter because 
I just the, the thing is it's usually when something is cool like I like things that are awesome so for example the last one I watched <laughs> was Sword Art Online right and I'm like oh okay that's kind of awesome and like alright that you know it's cool and it like takes itself seriously and it's super awesome and then there's a girl in a shower and they and, so, and then someone accidentally falls on someone else's boobs and then you know and that's oh, when yeah. my, my eye roll just my eye roll sensor is super tuned into that stuff and I'm like yeah. oh god that's it well so so how did you feel did you ever watch Trigun uh not I, mean, I never watched it seriously I would watch it when it was on like uh uh Toonami uh, yeah uh, I would be interested what you have because that that's one that does take itself very seriously except for certain parts of it and I feel like the eye rolls in that are spaced just far enough away from each other. The, yeah, like you can be like, oh, I'll let you slide on this one. Uh, so with Kill the Kill, I've watched about five episodes, six episodes. I had hoped to watch the whole thing by the time we, we got to a new show, but um, so far, I, I don't know. The, the thing is that the low thrum of, of tackiness might wear me down just overall, so I, I might not tap out on the eye roll, but I might tap out on just like, too much. Um, but so far, not hating it. It's consistent within itself. That, like I said, that's the thing that usually gets me is when something is not internally consistent. That's what really bothers me. So, so far, you know, it has a very uh, cool sense of kinetic movement. You know, the the characters go from, you know, being sort of uh, semi-realistic to like super deformed, like weird ankles. And oh, well, with like a Gamagori, how his size changes depending on what the scene is like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool and, you know, and 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 so far, nothing has really been uh, weird as it is to say it, because it is, I, I mean, I could see, I would not watch this with, uh, like, my wife, Your children. for example. Yeah, or uh, definitely not my children, but like an adult woman, for example. I, <laughs> I just couldn't I just see, couldn't. See, that's, that's my thing, too, right? Like, I uh, if I can't watch it with somebody, I think the the last anime I watched with my fiance was we watched the Wild Arms anime, and that was because we didn't have cable, and it was the only DVD set <laughs> You're we like, had. Oh, oh god, That's it so was bad, out of but pure desperation. No I don't think <laughs> I could. I don't think I could force her to sit through something like uh, Kill a Kill or Sword Art Online or. I don't understand how anyone could hate anime. I mean, I understand not liking. Every no, anime, listen, I but... I just said I liked it. I yeah, mean, you know, right. what you said is you didn't hate this one, implying that you do hate most of them, which we know. No, no, I just don't... <laughs> listen, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It, it's, just that just, it's just that anime lets me down so often. You know what, on behalf of all anime and all anime watchers and pretty much anything otaku in the world, fuck you. What about, what about, <laughs> what's, what's the one, Polar Bear Cafe? Is that, is that the one? The... Is that sounds a thing? like one. Uh, <laughs> it sounds polar like bear cafe. It's, it's an anime about a polar bear who owns a cafe. No way. It sounds like something on Fox. That that's the one I want to watch. Uh, I think I'm, you're full of shit. I'm, I'm looking it up. No, it's on one. Crackle. I think. Looking it up right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what my awesome. next one is going to be. But anyway, Kill a Kill. So far, yeah. Unless, like I said, unless it just grinds me down and I can't take it anymore. <laughs> you know, if you watch it in, you know in between, you know, watching an episode of this or an episode oh. of that, it's not that bad because it's like. When I was watching it, you know, I, I'd ping pong from that to Sailor Moon to Ranma one half. Uh, then I come back for but, another. See, episode. You're, you're talking to a man who is married with kids in a full time job. Who, when he has to start strategizing, how am I going to fit this anime in between the other yeah. animes? Then he just won't it's, watch it. It's basically because he's made his kids starve. You know, what? and there's so much good TV <laughs> on right now. That's not funny. That happens. Listen, anime aside, there is so much good TV happening right now. Um, has anyone been watching Better Call Saul? 
Uh, is that the one that's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No, but yeah. that's another one I gotta watch. Uh, so, so that's yeah. one. Uh, New House of Cards is still good. I know some people haven't really been digging it, but uh, so far so good for me. Um, I, I haven't yet, but I want to watch Powers. Uh, I've heard that's. Oh, I've heard. Have you read Powers? No, I know nothing about it, so I have no expectation. Powers, because I've heard that this show is not worth. Uh, uh, I've heard it might be a bad adaptation, but if I have no personal experience with it i'm thinking maybe I, i've just heard that it's, it's not good quality wise not that it's not a good a- adaptation mm, yeah that could be but i haven't started that so that you know that's going on uh you know empire just finished my wife's been watching empire so that's really cool um so anyway. lion uh yeah <laughs> um i, I get yeah we, yeah so uh deagle just uh, reviewed uh uh the entire series, I guess, uh, just on the site. So that uh, kill a kill or empire? No, no, no. Uh, for oh, I thought you were talking about the um, what was that? Let's go to the website tech-gaming.com where you can find a review of the entire series of Copa Lion, the complete series. Oh no, I was saying Cookie Lion. The oh, character. I thought you said Cope Copa Lion or Copellian. I think we've devolved into a we're just sort of talking about TV shows and things on our own website. Yeah. So anyway, anime. Watch- <laughs> If you ever watch uh, Empire, uh, Cookie Lion is the woman who was sent to jail where she was yibatized and turned into a half-cookie, half-lion hybrid. You are full of Holy shit. Holy shit! I gotta watch this show. Uh, cookie is the the wife, right, of... Uh, what's his name? Of Mr. Lion. Yeah. You're saying you she take becomes that somebody's bitch? Yeah. Something? <laughs> so anyway, kill a kill. Yep. And uh, I, 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 I will say real quick... I'll say real quick, I went and saw an anime double feature. I went and saw uh, Cowboy Bebop and Trigun Badlands. Badlands Rumble? Yeah, that one. Uh, They are both very good. They played in the theater somewhere? Yeah, they do that all the time out here in in, uh, L.A. And this one was part of actually a a film festival, I guess you would call it. for serious film enthusiasts. Uh, Well, I guess this this is a landmark uh, anniversary for Akira. So oh, yeah. right. the entire Sean. week leading up to that, they did. Akira. Oh, sorry. Is it? Uh, sorry. Shut up, Jeremy. Animal. You don't even like him. <laughs> no, actually, I, I do sort of like Akira uh, because Canada's bike. Who doesn't want? Oh, that? you didn't even pronounce it right that time. Yeah. So eat it. What? No, I said it on purpose. I was disrespecting. It's, it's pronounced. It's pronounced Canada. Canada. <laughs> Haneda! Or no, Akira! Someone was yelling at someone at the well, end of the movie. That's all anyway, what about, what about Akira, Sean? Oh, so, so anyways, I guess it's a landmark uh, year for that, uh, anniversary for that. So the entire week leading up to and after that anniversary, they did double features every night. Cool. That was it Akira or Ghost in the Shell? Awesome. Mm. I might have been Ghost in the Shell. I might, I might have, <laughs> I don't know. But, but they did play Akira and Ghost in the Shell. You don't even remember. I <laughs> Those weren't the ones I wouldn't watch, and so I went cool. with a uh, friend of the show, Sam, and uh, we both hey. we both almost fell asleep in between them. So, Ooh. did one of you like rest your head on the other one's shoulder? Well, that has nothing to do with sleeping. That's been fact. going on for a long time. Yeah. You guys are pushing. I love you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, any other animes to report, Mister Lamont? No, that's it. I've got nothing else to say. Are we are we moving on from anime since we have well we have trivia right? We do have trivia. Do we have other things too? Do we have reader mail? Uh, we do have yeah, one we reader have question. Yes, we do have one reader question. Which one do you want to do first, Sage? Oh my god, I want to do the mail. Hat. All right. <laughs> so Akira. Uh, uh, N. That's the mail I'm gonna do. 
Akira. Well, that's the one we got. Do you have a different one? No. So Akira N asks, Seems like efforts by companies to move beyond traditional gaming have failed. Uh, TV? Uh, he, he did say TV. Uh, TV, move, storybook, uh, meaning, I think, uh, uh, Wonderbook, Wonder yes. Uh, what happened to motion gaming? We connect, move, all dead. They came and went. Was it a fad? Uh, I think I think the weird sort of sidestep answer for this is uh, I, I don't think the future of games is necessarily the future of games in the living room. I know there's a there's a company out here called Two Bit Circus that does a lot of big games for events, and they use a lot of these motion tech and a lot of VR and stuff like that. Um, but they're not making things for your living room. They're making things for you go to an event and you'll play this huge game in a huge room or they're they're getting really into the um i don't know what you call it, like story rooms i guess you call them they're you you go and lock yourself in yeah go and lock yourself into a room and there's sensors and things you pick up and and it all uses this technology and stuff um but it's again not something you're going to put in your living room and i think that's what you're going to find with vr in the future too right is that yeah we're all going to go out and buy them and then they're going to sit in our closets, and we're going to say, what happened to that? Uh, I disagree. Yes, yeah, I, I, I Honestly, am... mm-hmm. vir- virtual reality, motion sensing, all that crap, and I'm going to, I think everybody can agree with this. Call us when we have a fucking holodeck. That's, that's what, all that's we fucking the, want. That's what the um, Valve one is supposed to be, right? Oh, yeah. It's supposed to have a 15 by 15 room in your house to use... <laughs> <laughs> I think, that's not a joke. I, that is what they recommend. I think I know, that's why the, I was laughing. <laughs> I think part of the issue is that you had a lot of tech out, tech come out all at once. Like the Oculus was sort of at the tail end of that because there was the, all of the Move things came out and and they weren't super great in a lot of ways, like the Connect and the Move and everything. And then you great. had the Eat a Dick, and then you had the like infrared stuff that go, got really popular for about a minute where it was like little fingertip things and your computer could sense the infrared and then they... And those are all of, still out there and they all no, still no, have I, applications sense. outside of games in your living room. No, no, I know they do and I know they are, but what I'm saying is I think that what happened was not so much that everything was a fad. I think it's that the idea became really popular really fast and then a lot of different companies made a lot of different kinds of tech for it and now you're seeing that happen with VR and I think that the issue is that people haven't really settled on which hardware they like and because of that there haven't been a lot of really solid games made for a particular hardware because the game developers if they're making these games I hope people are I I would like to start making them on Unity um, if they're not because I think it should go that way but I think that because we've seen this in the industry with consoles when new console gens come out that the software developers are like we're going to wait and see which you know where the market's sort of going hardware wise and so I think you have a lot of different hardwares that are competing and none of them has really gained a solid foothold yet and so the software's not driving it because they're waiting to see where the hardware goes and the hardware doesn't really have a lot of fuel to move forward because they're not sure what they're doing either well and they're not even really released yet either I mean so I mean that's that's probably closer to my answer. My answer is that they didn't go away. They have changed into. I mean, 3D. You know, all of these uh, VR headsets they all incorporate 3D. I mean, extrasensory. I mean, not extrasensory, but but you know, more more reality based things, gestural controls. You know, the 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 way that you can tilt your head and and 3D stereo 3D being able to see things that look like they do in real life. Um, you know, as, as far as depth. Um, you know, being able to uh, 
I mean, I mean, Move is is still going to be part of Sony's, um, you know, Project Morpheus, whatever they're going to release. I mean, you have to have some way to interact with that uh, environment, right. and they they want to do that in three D space. Uh, right. And there are like half a dozen of these. I mean, we I, we could probably name them real quick. There's uh, Oculus. There's the um, Project Vibe. Morpheus. The uh, Valve. What is the Valve one called? It's like Vibe. Vibe. Yes. Uh, Samsung has one VR Gear, which actually I guess well, already exists somewhere. Well, that that so that is the Oculus. The the Samsung Galaxy Gear is in, in conjunction with Oculus because the Oculus actually uses parts from the Note Four. Oh, oh, I see. Well, and then and then, we, and then you have stuff like uh, the Microsoft uh, what they're doing for Windows Ten. The uh, uh, Hololens uh, mm-hmm. is another side of it, which is more like augmented reality. I mean, that's something we didn't even talk about. Is which is I augmented think is, reality cool? I think it's really cool that augmented reality is becoming a thing. But I am worried that and Sean and I talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm worried that the market is going to go just like casual gaming became such a big boom. I'm worried that a lot of aug- augmented reality stuff is going to go towards the practical, like architecture design and shopping lists and floating like some maybe some kind of floating minecraft thing that lays out over your over your table in your living room and you get to sort of interact with like a giant godzilla which would be awesome but yeah i like that idea but i don't want to play the last invisibles game because that's what that is right but i don't want (laughs) to lose out on the i mean the I, I think it'd be a real shame to miss out on the opportunity to have actual video games that you can like they had tech at E three last year that was little like a treadmill kind of thing with like a ring around it so that you can't go running off into space. Yeah, like a three hundred and sixty degree treadmill, right? Right. And it worked really well actually. It was it was kinda like bowl shaped and you had special no, it wasn't a tre- I don't I forget. I mean it was like a treadmill but it was sort of bowl shaped, so I'm not sure how that how that mechanically works, but you could wear special shoes so that you could actually be running in this thing. Thing and it would sort of move with you, and that way you you could actually run without like running into this safety rail thing. And I think that would be incredible. I would buy one of those tomorrow. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't, do you have do you have room for that in your house? I would make room for that in my house because it would be incredible. And yes, because they weren't very big. I mean, they take up about as much space as a large coffee table. These are the things. I don't have room in my apartment for a large coffee table. Well, but, well, but here's the thing: like that's just—that's just another step in this, though. I mean, the ultimate answer to this question is that all of those things, have, having it on Wii, having it in Connect, having it in Move, these were just little different parts that different companies released. And this technology and these ideas—they're not going away. The idea of being able to manipulate something in real space with your hands, the ability to see something—I mean, stereo audio, for example, or 5.1 audio or 7.1 audio—that uh, stuff is not going away. It's just—it's going to become condensed and unified into something where you can have all of those experiences in one place and it's not necessarily like like Sean said it's not necessarily going to be on your console it might it might take another form i mean just because we're not seeing those games uh, you know part of it is the adoption rate of it i mean are people are they going to make those those individual things again for for uh, you know PlayStation 4 and and, and those sorts of things uh, i i think i think uh, the answer is no i think we're going to start seeing arcades again i think people or, or, are or, or, people or are, Dedicated platforms for that. Well, no, I, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see that people are. Uh, there's going to be a wave of people. It, like Oculus is the best example I can think of. People are going to buy it, and they're not going to want to use them at their home because you know they can't stand up and move around, or their wives or husbands or kids don't like the fact that they're just sitting in a chair and completely closed off from the world. You know, nobody with a family is going to be able to really take advantage of this stuff. But if you go with a group of people to a building that's like made for this kind of stuff and you can build out these environments that people can actually touch with their real honest to god hands uh while they're wearing a headset i I think that 
is a much more compelling way to use this technology that would actually uh, work for, for most people instead of a small group of lonely people. But Sean, remember, all you need is a wall. And you can just touch the wall with your fist, and then that's all you need. Yeah, but see, if I'm sitting up against that wall and my fiancé comes home and she wants to talk to me about something, she has to completely <laughs> pull me out of that experience. Uh, but yeah, but, but I don't feel like... if someone else takes you out, it could kill you. Your consciousness no, could be lost forever on the grid. Yeah, no, that's oh God, not a the thing. Matrix. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't feel like that's enough of a deterrent, because it's not that... I mean, if you come home and someone's listening to their music really loud on their headphones, which people do, it's the same thing. You have to get their attention. Like, that's not a... I don't think that's a deterrent to having it in your home. I understand what you're saying about the other stuff, but the idea that, like, oh, I'll have to interrupt them or that you wouldn't be able to create, like, hey, honey, it's going to be my one hour of, of holographic gaming time, so yeah, I, time I won't be available. 3D holographic Hang sack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a very big difference of I'm going to be over here playing a game on the TV next to you, then I'm going to completely absorb myself in this experience that doesn't involve you, but you still have to be in the same physical space as me. I don't know. I think it depends on who's gaming. You know, portable games or tablets or something like that. I mean, they're still getting absorbed into a screen that's in front of them, but it's just a little bit different. When you're playing a game on your Vita, I can still have a conversation with you. Well, not necessarily. I mean, Sean, I get what you're saying, but like, I lived with someone who, who my boyfriend at the time was super in to gaming and would be sitting in the same space with me on his computer. It would it was like talking to a wall. He was not present. Like there was no there would have been no difference between him sitting there on his computer and him sitting there with the Oculus Rift. And actually, it probably would have been more amusing for me if he had the Oculus Rift on cuz then I can watch him wearing this mask on his face sort of moving around doing weird things, which is sort of like popcorn time for me. Actually, that's <laughs> that should be that cuz then the other person can watch the person who's doing it be all wonky and weird. So, bottom line, uh, the these ideas are not gone. They're they're still with us. They just uh, evolved. Take, yeah, they're taking taking some new shapes, and you'll see them again uh, very soon. All right, trivia time. Trivia time. Yay! All right. So, is it I, all I, about Monster Hunter? <laughs> no, I did not write the trivia. Oh. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, where did I put the trivia though? Is that it. one of the questions? Uh, <laughs> e, put it in. Okay. I'm just gonna go with B. All right, are you ready? Here, I'm going to be safe. Can you repeat the question for me, please? I don't ask for the questions. I ask for I the answers. I wasn't paying attention. I don't not pay attention. I have a hard time listening to Sage, complex Sage, names. Sage, Sage, stop talking to yourself. It's weird. Oh, my God. Eat a dick, Sean. <laughs> that does sound like me. <laughs> Jeremy, that doesn't sound anything like you. <clears throat> All right, number one. The seeds have been planted, and this week, Story of Seasons is poised to bloom. <laughs> name the title. Such a that... Name That's the title the that. Name the title that lead producer Yoshifumi Hashimoto hasn't helped to cultivate. Is it A. Riviera: The Promised Land? B. Valhalla Nights? C. Harvest Moon: Back to Nature? D. Evolution Two. Far off promise, or E Muramasa the Demon Blade. Uh, I mean, God, who knows? Riviera the Promised Land. Anybody else? What was uh, the third answer? 
Why are you both making fun of me just now? Fuck don't, both of just you. tell me the letters. Don't don't tell me what the words were. The third one was C. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeremy, did you did you not get enough of your asshole out earlier this week? Is that why? Oh no, no. I can never have enough of my asshole out. <laughs> well, whatever C is, I'll go with C. Third one sounded right. I can't remember what it is. All right. I say D. The answer was C. Harvest Yay! Moon. Oh, boo. I mean, number two. Story of Seasons wants players to leaf their prejudices behind. Uh, uh. This is more than just another Harvest Moon iteration, which isn't a feature in the game. Is it. A, the ability to grow super mushrooms, superstars, and fire flowers. B, the ability to interact, feed, and care for wild animals via the safari system. C, a trading post, replacing the traditional shipping box, where countries send requests and may even issue thank you cards. Or is it D, the ability to assign planting, tending, and gathering duties to animals who utilize AI to adapt to your harvest style. D sounds way too ambitious. I'm going to choose D. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go with A. Just... It's D. We've got a three-way tie oh, now. Damn. Yes. Good D job. for Jeremy should eat a dick. Oh, Sage, I thought we were friends now because we picked the same D. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? No, you can have the D. That's what you can have. You can have the D. <laughs> no, you can. All right. <laughs> Number three, Story of Seasons clothing... Wait, hold on. Sorry, let me start that over again. A Story of Seasons clothing coloring comes from an oh, unexpected source, with Hashimoto citing a prominent artist for providing the inspiration. Name the painter. Picasso. Oh. Is it Van Gogh? B. Monet? C. Matisse? D. Warhol? Or E. Goya? It's pronounced... Monet. No, it's not Anything pronounced else? Monet. Uh, no, I don't want to choose that one. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Andy Warhol. I'm gonna go with E. Alright. It's a Mr. E. It just it's it's such a stupid question. I don't know how to fucking answer that. Because um, I can't remember what you just said. He said Monet and fucking Jeremy is an asshole and whichever one that All was. All these people just draw with crayons! The answer was... No, wait. No, wait. She Do said I Monet. Should... That's her answer. That's that's not what I said. Unless it's the right one. <laughs> Warhol. Because fuck you. The answer was Van Gogh. Oh. Uh, she's letter A. It's pronounced Van Gogh. It's pronounced Van Gogh. <laughs> Number four. I this week's release four. of... It's going to be another two years before Sean's on the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Wah, wah. All right. <laughs> Number four. This week's release of Tukiden Kwami adds to Tukiden Age of Demons robust feature set with developer Omega Force listening to the wishes of fans. Which of the following is not an addition to the game? A. New chapters which continue the story after the events of Age of Demons. B. Five new types of enemies including half-onis, abominations that are half-human and half-demon. C. 
the Naganata, a polearm that's positioned between somewhere between... Ah, there's too many betweens in this, Deagle. What are you doing? The Naganata, a polearm that's positioned between the sword and sickle movesets. D, spiked club, a hefty weapon that does massive amounts of damage but removes the ability to dodge roll. Or E, slayers can use a team attack to deploy multiple demon parts to one strike. And the I question is which with... one it is or which one it is not. Which one is not? I'm going to go with D. Alright. I... Sean, I actually... Well. I actually do need you to say those again. There's way too much going on in them. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a pass on that one. Yeah, it's... summarize them. Summarize right. them. Are there new chapters? Mm-hmm. New enemies? Mm-hmm. A Naganata? A Spiked Club? A Naganata. Or the ability Menemina. to have a team attack. Menemina. Uh, Menemina. I guess the last one. I, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna choose spiked club because all the rest of those are like highly specific, and then it's like spiked club. <laughs> There's a spiked uh, the, club. An- <laughs> the answer is actually there are not five new types of enemies, including half onis, abominations that are half human and half demon. <laughs> there are oh, only damn, four types cool. of enemies. That's probably you know Deagle. That is probably what it was. Stupid or is it they're half demon, half fish. Yeah. Can you imagine? You realize he teaches. Can you imagine his multiple choice tests? His students must hate test day like with a fiery passion. <laughs> Just kidding. The punctuation was wrong on that one. It invalidates the whole thing. That <laughs> went. So right, did anyone get five. that right? Who got that right? Anyone? Uh, nobody got that nobody. right. Nobody. Okay, still tied. Fuck. Uh, Alright, this is the last one. This week also sees Project Cars, a community-funded racing simulator developed by London-based Slightly Mad Studios. Name the title that the team hasn't worked on. Is it A. Test Drive Ferrari Racing Legends B. Test Drive Unlimited 2 C. Need for Speed Shift or D. World of Speed I'm gonna guess Need for Speed Shift, and I'm probably going to be wrong. Was is Shift the was Shift wasn't the PSP one, was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, the one on <laughs> Vita was most wanted, and I think that's the one I probably thought it was. And then I thought, ooh, wait a minute, oh, wait, no, 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 say, no, 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 Shift. Wait, say them again. Say them again. Test Drive Ferrari Racing Legends. Mm-hmm. Test Drive Unlimited Two. Mm-hmm. Need for Speed Shift. Mm-hmm. World of Speed. I'm going to go with the the test drive unlimited two. I'm gonna go with test oh, yeah? drive. Why why are you gonna do that? Why were those why were there typing sounds right before you answered that? There you're an idiot. There aren't any <laughs> typing sounds. My keyboard is up on top of the computer so that my cat doesn't sit on it. Shut up, Jeremy. What's your cat's name? What? What is your cat's name? Is that, is that the answer? What's your fucking cat's name? Tell me now! <laughs> What's in the box? It's What's Google, it? isn't it? You named your cat Google. Who's Same. Googling? Me? No, my cat is... His name is Professor Moriarty. Oh, he's a professor. Of course he'd know the answer. <laughs> professor Cat. His name is Cat. Jeremy, what's the answer? Uh, Ferrari Legends. Uh, Wrong. Google Google was right. It was Test Drive Unlimited 2. Oh, oh my ah, god, ah. I didn't Google it. I knew that they did the speed one. Cheater! Cheater! I didn't cheat! 
You guys are assholes. I'm never doing trivia Con again. Congratulations, <laughs> Sage, for winning fair and square without looking things up with Google. Like oh, we do. I, you know what? I, hope you I happen celebrate to know your for a win, fact. Champagne. I no, I know you did. I know you did. Jeremy didn't. both sometimes look shit up, so <gasps> I don't even want to hear anything. And I didn't look up anything. Guys, guys, trivia is an institution. Come on. Fuck. <laughs> Googling <laughs> Good bastardizes game. this institution. I'm going to Google Jeremy Lamont he naked. That's what I'm going to Google oh, right yeah. now. Oh, I already did. It, it's mostly just pictures of me, really, because he, he's a surprisingly uh, agile photographer. It's true. Uh, your win is yabatized thanks to your Googling. <laughs> wow, Jeremy, you're hot according to Google. Holy it, shit. It's true. It's true. Google knows. Google knows all. Wow, I'm sorry I did this. I'm really sorry I did this. <laughs> I can't unsee it. <laughs> all right, and on that, we should probably... Wrap this up. If you're interested, you said that at just at the two-hour mark, right? It's perfect. Although it'll probably be like three hours because there's also an interview in there. Well, but you got to edit a bunch of this shit out, right? <laughs> like Jeremy's dick, edit that right out. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to read what uh, Deagle has to say about any of this stuff, uh, it's gonna be at www.tech-gaming.com. That is your number one source for new releases because it's everybody else's source for stealing new release lists. That's true. So I fuck just, all you yeah. guys that don't give credit. In fact, I was just telling someone about that, and uh, yeah, it's true. It, it is true. true. Uh, he works very hard on that, so go read those. Uh, if you want to listen to us on Twitter, uh, Deagle's Tech underscore Gaming. Uh, I am Sean Nola with two N's, and yes, I realize that I haven't been in New Orleans for seven years. Give me a break. <laughs> Continuity error. Uh, I thought Sage it stood for now is... occupying Los Angeles. There you go. There you go. Nicely yeah. done. Uh, Sage is Samurage Morris Green. Shit, that's her name, <laughs> not her <laughs> title. Samurage. Uh, she's just Samurage. It just rolls off the tongue so well. I know it does. <laughs> Jeremy is uh, at Jeremy underscore Lamont, and Blue Swim is at Blue Swim. Yay! I still don't know his last name. <laughs> I have pantsu on my head. Oh. <laughs> on that no, Seriously, note. I have a knitted hat that looks like pantsu. Eric, Blue Swim, Yaiba Tiger. <laughs> Slash pantsu.